Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Happy Friday to you, and welcome to a packed edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. And, uh, well, we got some big playoff action on the ice, of course, and the hard court in the pros. And a huge weekend for junior hockey here in Manitoba with uh, Centennial Cup on out in Portage. Heartbreaker for the Pistons last night in OT. But the two Manitoba teams going at it tonight, Portage Terriers, the host, and the MJHL Turnbull champion, uh, Turnbull Cup champion, signed back Pistons playing tonight out in Portage. And, of course, tonight, 7 p.m., Canada Life Centre. Still some tickets available the Winnipeg Ice beginning the WHL championship against the Seattle Thunderbirds along with Jets first-rounder Brad Lambert. So uh, lots of great hockey in and around the local area tonight, but that's just where things start. Winnipeg Blue Bomber training camp gets going on the weekend. Rookie camp continuing right now. Ed Tate's going to join us a little later on as part of a uh, packed show, as I mentioned right off the hop. Shane Malloy, Hockey Prospect Radio, will be our guest coming up first up. Talk a little bit more about the aftermath of the uh, lottery, where the Jets might be picking and who might be available at that point, as well as his thoughts on Jet draft picks that have already been in the system or selected, including what's looking like a really good group of picks from last year's NHL draft. So Shane Malloy coming up. Weber, Ken Weeb, is in Toronto. I believe he'll be at this Panthers-Leafs game tonight. So Kenny's going to join us. Uh, we'll get a little more on his Jets mailbag from sportsnet.ca and some of the big off-season topics. And it's Friday. The NFL schedule came out yesterday. we got to get the Hacksaw on as well. So uh, Malloy, Weeb, Ed Tate, Hacksaw Hamilton, and of course we'll finish it off with a marble race here on WST. Just before we bring Remo in, Congratulations to the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who won their first game of the season under Greg Taggart against his old team in Gary last night. A 6-1 win for the Fish. And don't forget, home opener at Shaw Park is a week today. Get your tickets now. You can go to goldeyes.com for uh, more on the Fish. Season tickets, group tickets, mini packs, and the like. I also want to thank the rest of our sponsors, including Assiniboia Downs, Modern Man, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Nick & Nicky DQ, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and of course our golf sponsors, uh, sponsors at Breezy Bend, Cool Bet Canada, and we will get to a why not question of the day for Not Autocorp overly at Waverly and McGilvery. Let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road. What's going on? Getting ready for the weekend. It's some nice weather. I got to, um, I don't know, experience it outside. I'm here in the basement with like a tiny window. So, uh, you know, counting down, I guess. No, I'm not counting down. I love doing the show, but hey, it is. We can get excited for the weekend too, right? I mean, lots going on. I can't wait. I'm going to this game tonight down at Canada Life Center. Wouldn't miss that. Probably end up taking in both this weekend with uh, game uh, two tomorrow at 6 p.m. Um, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I'm just, this is a great feeling. I think the, the disappointment of game five and the way the Jets bowed out of the playoffs is now pretty much left me, I mean, 95%, I'd, I guess I'd say. I've been enjoying the playoffs, but I'll tell you what, Remo, I, I am feeling, I'm wearing a bomber shirt today. 
I uh, Bombers being back, Goldeyes beginning their season, NFL schedule coming out yesterday. It kind of, for the first time, officially feels like we have completely put this winter in the rearview mirror. And with that goes the 2022-2023 Winnipeg Jets season. And now it is all about what is going to be a great few months around, or a few weeks around here heading into the draft with hopefully some gorgeous weather, getting out to Breezy, doing some golfing, but also some very interesting things happening off the ice, things that we've been waiting for answers to for a long time that probably won't get all the answers, but we'll get many of them before uh, before everything gets going on in Nashville in the final week of the year of the June. Oh yeah, this is you know we had thought we had a fun summer last year with the Jets, and you know I think this time last year we were salivating over Trot's watch, and that lasted basically till like uh, draft week. I remember that Friday, so we don't quite have that now. But I'm assuming we'll be chatting a lot about well the Jets, who are they going to select, and we're going to cover some potential candidates with Shane Malloy later today, and we'll also touch on you know I'm sure with with Ken. What are the Jets going to do with these players who have, what, one year remaining on their contracts? And do they shake things up or are we going to run it back here once again? Well, and one thing that will certainly come up with Ken, and he's got it in his latest piece over at sportsnet.ca from his mailbag, is what would a Connor Hellebuck contract look like or what would the offer look like from the Winnipeg Jets? And I'm not sure whether this is going to change anything because uh, everyone here in the Jets organization knows how good Connor is and has been for the Jets. But add another Vesna Trophy nomination for the Jets starter, who was named yesterday one of the final three up with Linus Allmark and Ilias Sorokin after another solid year here in the Winnipeg Jet Net. Oh, yeah. Congratulations to Connor Hellebuck. What a season he had. I know he had a rough start there, what, February... And, and what, like January, February, early March. But, I mean, overall, you can't deny his numbers. Uh, 37, 25, and 2. 249 goals against 920 save percentage. Four shutouts, 64 games. Tied for the third in wins. Tied for most games with UC Soros. Tied for fourth in save percentage among goalies to play at least 20 games. Uh, let's see, you know, face the third most shots, second most saves. Three-time finalist Connor Hellebuck, he did win at nineteen twenty, runner-up in seventeen eighteen, and you know what? I I think a lot of people are going to say Linus Olmark is going to run away with this. Um, you, know, you look at his numbers among goalies with twenty-plus starts. He's first in save percentage, first in goals against, a ridiculous one point eight nine. But you know what? I think Hellebuck's degree of difficulty was harder. He played. Played the most games. He played 64 games. That's what he meant to his team. Allmark, uh, they talked about managing his workload and how much tougher it was for him in the playoffs. He only played 49 games. Us, uh, so you want to make the argument that Hellbuck should get it? Is that played played more games than than Linus Allmark? There and look, Swayman was just as good. So was it a goalie thing or just the Bruins just have the best team defense? Hey, I here's don't... one. Everyone was all outraged that Kale McCarr got the nod. For yeah. the Norris only playing 60 games, how do we have a guy that was basically part of a timeshare winning the Vesna? Yes. <laughs> I mean, Jeremy Swayman played 37 games and had a 920 as well. I, I, granted, it is hard to get past the wins, 46-1. and one. I mean, that is just an insane record. 
and a 938 save percentage and a sub two goals against average. I mean, by the numbers, absolutely. He was the best in the league this year. But I certainly do also subscribe to the fact that what he was dealing with in the Boston Bruins net was very different than what Connor Hellebuck did in the Jet net. And when you, if you do include workload, level of responsibility, how much they play, Connor Hellebuck certainly gets the nod. I don't think that's going to be a convincing argument for most of the voters. I think Almark will sort of run away with this. But I'll tell you what, I am glad. I, I was choked that Josh Morrissey didn't get the nod as at least a finalist in the Norris. I thought he certainly was worthy of that. Connor Hellebuck belongs in this group of the top three goaltenders this year, and I don't think there's any doubt about it. Yeah, I'm not going to argue. I mean, this is the Winnipeg sports show, so we can try to come up with arguments that maybe Hellebuck would win. But I, you look at all the numbers. Um, I don't know if there's a triple crown uh, for goalies, Hessler, but I'll mark the top, tied for the lead in wins, save percentage. Uh, he's, again, I just said he's at the top goals against the top for goalies who played uh, at least 20 games. So that's the triple crown right there. So I think it is going to be Allmark for sure. But Connor Hellebuck had a great season. Uh, Sorokin, the other nominee, great season. UC Saros may be a bit surprised he didn't get a nod. And another goalie who had a great season, um, Philip Gustafson. But, I mean, he only played 39 games. That's 10 less than Allmark. Like, what's the threshold here for, for games played for a Vesna goalie? Uh, it's minimum of 50. Yeah, All marks DQ'd. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no longer in consideration. If you don't play 50 games, sorry, we're not even looking at you. How about that? Sorokin had a monster season, though. I mean, he played 62 games as well at 233 goals against average, 924 save percentage. And he was really the backbone of that um, of that Islander team right now. We all expect it to be Allmark. We hope that it'll be Hellebuck, but... Um, Bottom line for the uh, for the Jets and for uh, their All Star goaltender is that um, you know he is once again recognized the third time in his career as a Vesna Trophy finalist, undoubtedly the best goaltender in NHL Jets history. Of course, we do have Joe Daly, who's got a few rings from those WHA years, uh, and obviously a very different era of goaltending and uh, and hockey in general. Uh, but had to start off with Hellebuck. Getting it, uh, getting it done. Uh, wasn't a great night of hockey last night, although we did have an overtime game, which was nice. Uh, unfortunately, that series is done now. The New Jersey Devils are off to the golf course, and the Carolina Hurricanes are the first team to qualify for the Final Four and the Conference Finals. Rod Brindamore's team just does it again, Ream. And uh, got to tell you, I thought the Jersey Devils did you know really well to get out of the Rangers series. I thought they looked good at times, but... There is something to be said about experience and consistency, and those are two things that are synonymous with Rod Brindabor's hockey clubs. And uh, despite the injuries that they have, no Svechnikov, no Pacioretty, no Taravainen. Crazy. They move on in five, and we'll have a little bit of rest depending on what happens in this Florida-Toronto game tonight. Yeah, Carolina, they've been together for a long time, this team. They had high expectations last year where they got bounced early, and they did make the conference finals Last time was in 2019, so they've been building for a while. They you know, brought in Brent Burns, who scored the game-tying goal in the second period. He's been a huge ad. I forgot. You know he's like 38 oh. years old? I, I find still that... playing like he's yeah. 28. Yeah, he's still, yeah, huge impact. And that's a tough way to lose for, for um, New Jersey with a puck over glass penalty in overtime. And it's Jesper Faust with the tip in. 
Um, Paul Stasny making a huge impact there on that second power play that won it for Carolina. But shout out to them. Where we could see the uh, Paul Maurice versus Rod Brindamore conference final. That's going to be up to Toronto uh, to extend that. But uh, Carolina, they're a very good team. And kind of funny, you know, you talk about this rest. If if uh, the Leafs win, I started thinking about, remember when the Jets had all that rest after they beat Edmonton and had to wait for Montreal to uh, go seven with Toronto? Or should I not bring that up <laughs> too soon? You remember that? Where we're like, oh, the Jets are going to kill Montreal. Look at all this rest. They're going to be so rested. Montreal just got beat up in a seven-game series versus Toronto. Or we don't want to go over that again, right? I basically blacked out yeah. any memories beyond sweeping the Edmonton Oilers because I definitely <laughs> never want to forget that. That whole you know, time, I mean, it, and this this is what really does suck because, you know, given normal circumstances, that win over Edmonton, and let us know in the chat if you feel differently or if you agree, would I think be thought of and remembered so differently? Um I mean, the Winnipeg Jets went in as an underdog after finishing the season horribly and swept a team with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl nearing their prime. I mean, when you think back of it, it really is incredible. Now, there were no fans in the building, and it almost seems like it didn't happen or didn't right. doesn't count. Doesn't, it, doesn't. it does count in the records. And I always, whenever I'm on in Edmonton with, like, Dusty and Eric... I try to find a way to just weave in the fact that the Jets swept the Oilers. Uh, but needless to say, it's a very different story right now with the Jets gone their separate ways and hitting the golf courses and the Oilers playing in game five tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, I, I hate to say I told you so, Remo, but uh, there was a call. Coincidental suspensions yesterday on the program, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Alex Pietrangelo gets one game for a vicious tomahawk slash Darnell Nurse gets one game for instigating in the last five minutes. And incredibly, that was only called a couple times in the entire regular season. And both were overturned. I think this is the first suspension all year for a late instigating penalty. Doesn't seem to make sense. People in Edmonton are choked. But uh, they'll both be down a top defenseman for a crucial game five tonight. I'm actually, you know, this was brought up in chat yesterday. And I know we got to get to Shane. But remember in that wild Jets game where, where Ryan Reeves tried instigating with Mason Appleton and Adam Lowry had to say, was that not instigating clearly in the last five minutes and look it's pretty obvious that they didn't want to suspend Petrangelo for the slash because Dreisaitl was totally he was fine he wasn't injured I mean if he had broken his arm then yeah maybe they do suspend him for a couple games and it was convenient to have nurse so it's okay the two guys cancel each other out coincidental suspensions uh, well done uh, NHL Department of Player Safety just knew that that was going to happen. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk more about that with Ken coming up. Uh, but we are going to talk, and again, we're going to have plenty of this leading into draft week in Nashville at the end of June. Uh, but, you know, considering the fact that the uh, lottery balls dropped this week, we know Connor Bedard's going to the Chicago Blackhawks. I wanted to bring on a couple of our, uh, our favorite draft uh, prospect experts. We had Chris Peters earlier on in the week, uh, the day afterwards. Check that out in the replay if you missed it. And coming up in just a second, Shane Malloy before we head to Toronto and hook up with Kenny Weeb. Uh, before we do that again, I mentioned big win for the Gold Eyes uh, off the top of the program. Get ready for that home opener next week. I cannot wait. We'll definitely be there for that one and uh, on a regular basis throughout the season. But group tickets, season tickets, mini packs, 
all available right now, goldeyes.com. Uh, if you need a cut, folks, you need to head on down to our great friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Got a little work done myself on the dome at the grand opening of the Pemina location on Friday. Um, they're doing one very soon for the Plessy location. We'll tell you about that. But Modern Man now has eight locations in Winnipeg, uh, offering a variety of grooming services for dudes, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Uh, just a great experience at Modern Man. Check them out if you haven't been there. Book your look online and appointment via modernmanbarber.com and follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. Hey, uh, it's nice outside. It's going to be getting nicer. A great summer ahead. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech? Visit aquatech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. And by the way, with Mother's Day on Sunday, give mom the ultimate staycation destination this Mother's Day with over $1,000 off select spas, pools, and home rental projects. Plus, visit them on Instagram and enter to win mom $1,000 towards a she shed. Uh, talked to Donnie earlier this week at Manitoba Battery. They are running right now. The winter, it's cars and truck batteries. Now we get ready for golf carts lawnmowers, motorcycles, and more. Um, and hey, with, it's time to get the motorcycles out and let the good times roll. And your grass is growing. is going to need to be cut. If you need a motorcycle battery, the gang at Manitoba Battery can get you hooked up with the right fit for you at the best price. And for all of you that are working lawn tractors, you can get a 280 cranking amp battery for 42 bucks when you return your core. That same battery, $30 more at the big box stores. And don't forget, not only does Manitoba Battery have the best price, the biggest selection, but they're the most convenient because when you spend 60 bucks, they'll bring it right to your door anywhere in Winnipeg for free. That's right for free. Save time and money with Manitoba Battery. Learn more. Find them online, manitobabattery.com, and pop by and see them over at 1026 Logan Avenue. And hey, the weekend is here. If you're uh, sipping the good stuff this weekend, make it Canada's favorite Canadian club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. And it uh, won't be too long before we're enjoying Canadian club outside the rum hut. And at IG Field is the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But in the meantime, if you can't wait to get your hands on that CC and ginger, you can do that as well at Manitoba Liquor Marts or at your local beer vendor. Ask for them if you don't see it out. All right. Ken Weeb coming up in a few minutes in Toronto. But right now, let's welcome in Shane Malloy for his thoughts on the upcoming NHL draft, Jets prospects, and what the Jets might be considering when they pick in the late teens. Shane, what's up? How are you? Doing great. I'm just uh, compiling data leading up to the draft. I'm, I'm one of those people who does not put out a list anymore. Uh, I learned my lesson the hard way. It's actually not conducive to put a list to get, put list together through the year and then put up one at the end because one of the things I had to learn from grad school is never do data analysis while you're still in data collection mode. It's a no-no, right? Because it totally skews and causes biases and it messes you up. And as human beings, we love to be right. So we don't want to have to correct ourselves. So I'm still in that mode. I got another probably three weeks. Once I get to the combine, right after the combine, then I start 
crunching all that number, all those numbers together into my system and then press the button and blammo, out comes the list. Well, most of the data is in for Connor Bedard and uh, everyone knew where yeah. he was going to end up in this draft. What did you think of the draft lottery and uh, the uh, stroke of luck of the Chicago Blackhawks to uh, get the number one pick? Oh, well, funny you said that. I sent a text off to Mike Dunne. He's their director of amateur scouting. and said, hey, Mike, you know, if uh, you need a little help with consulting about you know, who you want to choose at number one, you just give me a call. <laughs> he just sort of laughed. And he goes, yeah, will do. Right? So it's just like, you know, it's, it's fortunate for Chicago, obviously, because it's going to accelerate their rebuild a little bit. But the biggest factor for them is going to be building around him and ensuring that they hit on a lot of their draft picks. You know, particularly because they got multiple picks in the first round and they have multiple picks in the second round. And it's really about, you know, replicating what some other teams have done in terms of to ensuring that you have as many, as much talent or at least assets that you could potentially parlay into trades later on uh, to surround them. Because we've seen teams in the past, look at the Edmonton Oilers, how many first round picks they had. And it never really turned into anything of substance up until recently and that's still into the you know conference final so it's not like flip a switch and then all of a sudden you know the franchise are reborn well well let me ask you this shane and this isn't as much a draft question but i mean it sort of picks into uh, some of the things that you do you know as consulting wise but uh, from in your perspective what does this do to the blackhawks plan for next year um i mean does this immediately accelerate this rebuild and Make the I, I can't imagine you'd want to bring Connor Bedard onto a team that was as bad as they were last year and have that the way he gets used to the National Hockey League. You certainly want to inst now you don't want to go overboard in signing all these free agents and and you know free agents are going to look at it and then the agents are going to want term and then you get caught right with guys that you want to move on but you still have one or two extra years in term. But you certainly want to surround him with a couple players on his line that can insulate him. Because he's still an 18-year-old. Uh, you know, remember what we were like when we were 18? We were basically hairless monkeys. So, you know, it's necessary. I'm not saying that Conor Bedard can't handle it, but, you know, he's been under a lot of pressure, as, you know, for the last three years. But it's also the NHL is a different beast. So make sure you have a couple people around him and, nice, and a good leadership group. You don't, they don't have to go overboard, right? Term, I think, is really important for them and not – you know, not to be get kind of crazy because then you can hamstring yourself. And when you're trying to make moves and things, you know, players develop, then you're sort of stuck with a bunch of guys. Like we've seen organizations do that. And it just, they have to basically have to pay off assets to get these guys off the roster. Well, a bunch of guys might've been a great way to describe the 2022, 23 Chicago Blackhawks. Um, yeah. You know, we've obviously had a lot of talk here in Winnipeg about potential landing spots for Pierre-Luc Dubois and potentially even Mark Shifley. And, you know, a team like Chicago, which never before would have been thought as a potential landing spot, maybe changes a bit now that you've got a Connor, uh, Connor Bedard. All that being said, I, that will be a very interesting conversation to, to kind of follow as we get to the draft and through the offseason. But after Bedard, when you look at this draft, you've been uh, all over it for the last year. Um, is Fantilli the clear-cut number two player in your mind, Shane? And uh, how close are the guys in sort of three to five from uh, the number two selection after Bedard goes off the board? Well, Fantilli isn't at this point a slam dunk at number two, uh, which is going to be really intriguing. So both Lucas Carlson and Adam Fantilli are going to play in the world championships for their respective countries. So it's just another opportunity to see how adaptable they are because they're 
you know, we'll see what kind of position they're put in in terms of what, you know, center or wing. It'll be interesting what lines they're put with, what ice time they get. So I think that's just a little extra bonus for us. So I'm kind of holding off on that. And in terms of your other question, how tight it is. So if you look at, you know, Fentilli, Carlson, Michkov, Smith, Benson, kind of in that group. I think we. I think one of the challenges we have is because Mishkov never played in any international tournaments this year, and nobody. We didn't really get to see them very much. I only got to see them on video this year, which isn't you know my favorite. I prefer to see them live, but like an integrate video, it's very important. But he's an unknown, and honestly, in terms of talent, he's just a step below guard. He's really that talented, but there's some unknown factors in that you know, in terms of geopolitical issues and, you know, his contract, and there's always ways to get out of that. Um, but, you know, you never should rush a player, but boy, Mitchkoff, you love to have him. Like he's a Kucherov kind of player. And I don't like making those kind of statements like willy nilly, like he has that level of talent. So I'm really curious to see what happens in, you know, you know two and three, is Col- would Columbus do that? Would Columbus at three go take Michkov and then Carlson falls? Like I, I'm, I'm not quite sure because you know Yarmo, Yarmo's not afraid to do anything. Well, no, for sure. Let me ask you this: If he was from Scarborough and had just played for the Peterborough Peets, is he a he's number, cut two. number two? No, no doubt about he's, it. He's number two. Yeah, uh, honestly, I mean, just and I look. You have to take a look, look at the situations. Centermen are always more valuable than wingers. If everything's being equal, always take the centermen. But Mitskov's dynamic ability to create time and space to draw defenders is, and he's so deceptive in, in a similar, in a different way, but just deceptive like Bedard is in that respect. And that's what makes him such a fascinating uh, player to see what happens at the draft with him because he's so dynamic as a goal scorer. I mean, we've heard about him since what was it, the under 18s or under 16s yeah. a few years and ago. I saw him play I mean- live and he's just like, not very often where you kind of turn to the guy beside you and you go, wow. Yeah. Um, Shane, how we've been hearing for the last couple of years that this was going to be the Connor Bedard draft, but also a very, very deep draft. How, uh, how many, how, what, how would you assess the talent level of this group right now uh, beyond sort of the, the top five picks? I'd say it's heavy. It's obviously a heavy forward draft. Uh, the defense isn't – this is a more of a weak defense draft. doesn't mean that there won't be defensemen that end up becoming number three defensemen, but there isn't the top pairing D that I would project this time. So if you're looking at the top defensemen that are available, I would project them to be number three defensemen, and there'll be a bunch of fours. So if that's what you're really sort of looking at. So if you're a team in the second round, this is where you can really make some hay in terms of getting some defensemen that could be – number fours on your on your club and, but forward ranks it's heavy heavy deep and a lot of dub it's a great dub draft this year so and it's cyclical and it happens but you know the last few years it was a little bit weaker and this year it's like the best i've seen in a long time maybe since 2003 well, speaking of the dub let me ask you just your thoughts on uh, two prospects coming out of manitoba of course zach benson who we knew would be likely a top 10 pick for the last year or so uh, playing with the Winnipeg Ice, but a name that's maybe less familiar that we're seeing high up on a lot of mocks is Nate Danielson from uh, the Wheaties. Well, one of the great things about Danielson is 
like we talk about floor and ceiling with players. And one of the things that Danielson has is a really high floor is that you can project him. He's going to play like the probability of him not playing is really quite low. And the other great thing about him as well, he's a Swiss army knife. So he'll, he can play in a variety of different areas on the ice uh, and a variety of different roles. And he has grit factor in his game, you know, and he has will in his game. And he's a guy that's built mentally for the playoffs. And you can, when you watch him, you can see that in his five on five play. So for a coach and a GM, he's such a safe pick and that provides value. And he's a Swiss army knife plays in a bunch of different positions. He can play in different positions and he can play in different roles. So for me, I'm not terribly surprised that he, you know, he's going to be somewhere in that mid first, you know, round kind of like that maybe 15 to 20 range because those attributes and those skills have a tremendous amount of value for NHL teams. That's a Winnipeg Jets kind of player. Nate Danielson, you know, if you look at their past track record of drafting, that wouldn't terribly shock me at all. Even though they do, I do really think they need some D because they draft a lot of forwards. Uh, we're going to get a chance to see Zach Benson uh, and ironically, Brad Lambert, who we'll get to just for some prior jet picks uh, in a minute, uh, starting the Western hockey league final on Friday. Um, what have you seen from Benson's season and where does he uh, rank? I mean, we've heard at times he was potentially going to be a top five player. I've seen mocks that have him right there. I've had seen some that have him outside of the top 10. Where are you on Zach Benson? Oh, I think he's somewhere between that six to 10 range. He could be five. Yep. Easily. I mean, it's really team specific of what they want, but he's because of his hockey sense. When you have that type of player who can, it's, he plays chess and he plays the game two steps ahead of his peer group. So in, in many cases, he has to wait for other people to catch up when you watch him play. And he will make plays, and they won't turn out, and you can't blame him because his line mates or other players on his team didn't quite see what he saw, right? And so that would makes him just a highly valuable player. I'm not worried about you know skating, size, and all those other things because he's going to get band strength, and he's going to like – you know, fast skating isn't the end all to be all. I think sometimes it's a bit of a misconception. You look at players like Stone or Toffoli. Are those super fast skaters? Of course not. They're maybe average skaters, but they understand how to skate the game effectively. And that's where I think Benson is. He'll understand how to change his pace. He'll understand how to change his angles. And he's going to be an effective player in that respect. So I wouldn't be surprised if he went fifth overall. Shane Malloy is uh, the host of Hockey Prospect Radio, joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can hear Hockey Prospect Radio on the weekends over on Series XM NHL Radio. Uh, assuming the Florida Panthers don't uh, lose three <laughs> more games, the Jets are going to be picking at 18. What uh, what do you think the level of prospect will be in the middle of the first round where the, the Jets will be expected to be on the clock? It's going to be very interesting because we don't quite know where the defensemen are going to go. And because there's not a lot of high-end defensemen, you know, there's not maybe three or four number threes in that group. Do teams take those covet those defensemen because they want a defenseman a little bit earlier than probably they should they should be slotted? So it does one of two things: either a these a couple two or three teams take defensemen and some forwards fall to Winnipeg, or they take the forwards and the defensemen fall to Winnipeg. Either way, I think they're in a really good spot at 18. So you're sort of looking at, you know, could David Reinbacher be there? That's a potential. Could Danielson be there? That's a potential. 
No, um, could one of one or both of the Russian defensemen in Mikhail Guryanov and then um, right off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, now I can't remember his name. Oh, now I can't remember his name. That's okay. Um, normally I remember these off the top of my head. Will those Russian defensemen be there in that respect? So that's that's going to be really interesting for Winnipeg. You know, will Matthew Wood slide down there? Samuel Hanzik be there for them? You know, because I'm trying to like, I also look at the style of player that the Winnipeg Jets tend to draft. Like if you have the same scouting group together for a long time, they always leave breadcrumbs and tendencies of the style of player, what they're looking for. It's always there, right? So you can see when Winnipeg drafts, you go, okay, that makes sense. I understand why they took Perfetti, right? Like there are attributes about those players that are coveted. So I think there's about five or six players in there. I'm sure they'd be chomping at the bit to get at if they could. So we'll see how that sort of all plays out in the draft. Cause it always takes one or two teams to really screw up the order. <laughs> well, there, there's no doubt about that. Um, you mentioned the jet scouting staff. I mean, you've been in the, this game for a long time. Uh, if you had to evaluate the jets as a scouting team drafting and, and then developing what, uh, what grade would you give them Shane? Um, well, I have actually. So I have uh, approximately over 300 pages of quant on every NHL team's drafting development success, every round, every region, forward defense, goalie. So I've broken it all down. So I know how good everybody is from a quantitative standpoint. And the Winnipeg Jets are in the top eight. They're in the top eight. Now, you have to look at it from you know 2011 on. And I always give every team at least five years before I start evaluating their draft class. And I have different, you know, markers of what my criteria is initially so it's 200 plus games in the nhl and then i don't i wait till draft plus five i built that model back in 2007 and it's been adopted by a bunch of other people um because it's based on behavioral economics and cognitive performance for the frontal lobe developing and the jets are eighth in that time frame they do a very good job and they actually over time depending on what happens with harkins and another player, they could actually be even higher. They could push themselves into really into the top five realm, which is exceptional. Like, Who's the best? The best, actually, this may surprise you, is the Pittsburgh Penguins. From 2006 to 2011, and then 2011 to 2015, they're the number one. Now, it's amazing. I'll, I'll tell you. Really they seem incredible. to never have their first round pick for the last. And they draft late. Here's a, here's, a, here's a crazy thing about Pittsburgh, and I had conversations with Randy Sexton, Jay Heinbuck, and um, Tom Fitzgerald because he was there, and as well as um, you know Bill Guerin when they were working in that department. So from 2011 to 2015, the Pittsburgh Penguins had 11 picks in the first three rounds. Guess how many of those 11 players went on to play 200 games or more? Six. 11. What? All of them. That never happens. Elite. No, it no. Honestly, I thought it was wrong. I went back and, and had to redo it three times, but it was a it's fact. And the league average is about 46%. So they more than doubled the league average. It was phenomenal. But what it tells you is um, specifically targeting certain attributes and players, but most importantly, being very patient in their, in their development. And I know, you know, some Winnipeg fans or sometimes the media get on Chevy and Zinger for being really overtly conservative and patient, but they do it for a reason when it comes to prospects, because the majority of prospects are not ready until five years. 
draft plus five is there's a reason for that. It's a reason why the average age of a rookie forward is 22.9 years of age. It's not a fluke, you know, and, and, and science backs it up. Cognitive science backs it up for that. So you have to let your guys develop. And I thought it was one of the smartest moves they ever made of in putting their farm system in Winnipeg. Because then you have the collective group of all their player development, all their management, coaching staff, everybody's in the same room. It's, I think all NHL teams should do that if they can. Well, forgive me for getting too far ahead of ourselves, and we'll give them a few more years. But um, I, I had the opportunity to just have a chat with Jimmy Roy uh, at a Moose game when he was back in town about a month ago. Uh, and I was always interested to see how the season's going. I mean, the players that he's meeting with and talking about and I mean, he, you could tell how excited he was and the organization was about the young men that they picked in last year's draft. Um, we'll get to Brad Lambert and maybe the dub final in a second, but Rucker McGrory, Elias Salmonson uh, really stood out. I mean, obviously, I didn't know a lot about him. He's playing over in Europe. They were raving about him, Jilkin, and then the goaltender, Dom DeVincentis. From your perspective, uh, how much potential does the 2022 draft class of the Winnipeg Jets have? Not this year, but, you know, in the next few. In, in, in five years, five or six years, or say five to seven years, because you got to let the goaltender have a little bit of more leeway. They put in, in a normal year, if an NHL team can get two players to play more than 200 games, that's a really highly successful draft. Those, t- those teams who do that consistently are going to be contending teams. Don't. And I think Winnipeg could have three, maybe four. They have four players in that draft class play more than 200 games, which is why Jimmy's so excited. And we when we had him on our show, that was the same conversation. Like you could see his eyes light up, and that doesn't happen very often with you know development guys because they know they have to be patient. But he was, you know, he was pretty fired up from that standpoint, and. You know, if people want to listen, they can go back. Uh, our shows are on podcast, so they're on any of the podcast network as well, and we have a YouTube channel. So if you want to go back and listen to those two segments with Jimmy, uh, that they were really uh, enlightening in terms of what he thought. Because he's not a guy who's – he's not a rah-rah guy, right? Like He's not going to sell you something that isn't true. That's just not who he no, is. No, I've known Jimmy for a long time, and that's what stood out in the conversation. I mean, this yeah. was considered – like, listen, there was always optimism. We'll see, but – I mean, there was legitimate not excitement. Like yeah, yeah. There's not like that. And again, he doesn't blow smoke, and he's very pragmatic um, because he's been in the game a long time. And I think that's one of the things that sort of stood to me. I kind of like, hmm. And I actually went back and listened to the audio again, and went back and watched the video again, just to sort of like, oh, interesting, you know, from that standpoint. Because I just, I, it was just something that I hadn't heard out of him before. Uh, Chain. Uh, while we're talking about Jet draft picks, uh, the Jets were able to sign Nikita Chibrikov, who was, uh, what, 50th overall, second in the 2021 draft. He showed up in Winnipeg, was was with the Moose just at the end of their AHL season, um, but he'll be here in Winnipeg next year. Uh, Russian prospects a little harder to get much of a gauge on. I know you've got a good one. Tell us about the background, what you think about this player, and what sort of a, a young man is going to be coming to Winnipeg next season. I had him in the late first round of, of my list because I thought his hockey sense and puck skills and ability to create time and space for himself and his line mates. Um, and he has some deceptive ability. I thought his shot is really deceptive. And he's a guy that I think has the potential to play on a second line in the NHL. I do. Um, you know, where he slots in, I think, and I think it was really good of him to come into 
Winnipeg and get a sense of what the American Hockey League is like to because there's always going to be some adjustment adjustment periods. It's really important for the European players to get what we call that cup of coffee at the end of the year. And hopefully he stays in Winnipeg the whole offseason and trains with their people and then gets like runs into like a full season of the American Hockey League because it'll make a huge difference in terms of, you know, what he looks like in his first 20 games. But high offensive upside like a very creative offensive player, and you can never get enough of those guys. Hey, Shane, before we go, I can't have you on the program, but though talking about the big games here on the weekend and the Western Hockey League final between the Winnipeg Ice and the Seattle, Seattle T-Birds, it kind of seems like these two teams have been on a collision course for the last three or four months, but it's happening right now. A little extra special for Jets fans to be able to see Brad Lambert do what he's doing with Seattle, even if they're cheering for the home team. But uh, just thoughts on the ice and T-Birds going into this best of seven for WHL supremacy. It might be one of the best like WHL finals that we'll see in a long time. Like I'm legitimately thinking about jumping on a plane and heading out to like Winnipeg just to watch it. Cause how look at the number of drafted kids that are on these two clubs. And then look at the high end draft eligible kids that are on these clubs. So for me, it's just like, like for scouts, you, you should be a, you're like a kid in a candy store. It's great. You know, so you know that Zinger Zinger is going to be there in full force. Right. So, you know, he sets There'll off be a in lot the of scouts here, I think. I, I, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And like, look, Winnipeg's a great town. That's one of the advantages. Like I lucky for Winnipeg is you have like a dub team. You got an NHL team. You got an American League team. It's become one of the destinations for scouting. It really has. Before it was like you had one team there and now like you got this great three levels of hockey there. So um, it's always fun. And I like the people there. They're always uh, great to go out and have some adult beverages. After well, the game. we've got a couple cold ones waiting for you. If you can get on that bird Friday, seven o'clock Saturday at six back to back nights, it's going to be a hell of a way to start this final. And uh, can't wait. And would love to see you here. And if we don't, we'll see you in Nashville. For sure. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thanks, Shane. Always great. Hockey Prospect Radio. Check it out on Sirius XM NHL Radio. That's Shane Malloy. All right. Great stuff with Shane Malloy. Worldwide Weave coming up in just a second. Eddie Tate on Bombers Camp. Hacksaw as well. Marbles. Stick around. Big, big show to finish up a fun week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, folks. Barbecue season is here. And uh, if you are looking for an incredible spot, to get delicious grass-fed bison beefsteaks. You know where to make that happen at Vita Health Fresh Market, home of great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And hey, the perfect thing to help you digest that red meat is Health First Primezyme Digestive Enzymes. Heartburn, gas, bloating, abdominal pain after meals, Maybe signs you're not digesting food well. Health First Primezyme can supplement enzyme levels to help break down proteins, carbohydrates, fats, lactose, and reduce digestive discomfort. That way you can enjoy all that delicious food. Pick it up and everything else that you need at Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations. And you can also order online at myvita.ca with local pickup options. Uh, hey, if your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, give Wallace and Wallace a call. Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Uh, they've got it all, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if you need to replace your garage door, 
They've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors, too. 204-452-2700 is the number. Wallace and Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also check them out online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston Boulevard. Uh, how's the closet looking like, fellas? Because if you need to up your menswear game heading into spring and summer, you need to pop down and see the gang at F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties and a free custom shirt and tie for 2023 high school grads with the purchase of a new suit. 190 Smith Street is where they are at. You can also make an appointment to find out more online at F, that's EPHapparel.com. And hey, blizzard season is here, the good kind. With uh, summer just around the corner, if not kind of here already, it's time to get back and uh, visit our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ. Four locations, DQ Northgate, Polo Park, St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. All the summer blizzard flavors are in. Don't sleep on those delicious stack burgers as well. And if you do need a blizzard or ice cream cake for an event or party, get a custom made however you like it by sending them an Instagram message at DQ Manitoba for a quick and easy pickup for your creation at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, heading out east right now with a very beautiful backdrop. Living up to his name of Worldwide Weeb, Ken Weeb joins us from uh, the center of the universe today out in Toronto. Weeber, what's going on? Uh, Andrew, great to be with you. Uh, it is a beautiful day in the center of the universe. Uh, folks, the angst meter we know is a little bit a little bit on the rise. People are on high alert here. Uh, they are feeling confident after one win, but uh, I think there's still a little bit of pent-up emotion happening in this town. Uh, there's also a Blue Jays game happening uh, behind me here tonight. The Atlanta Braves and former GM Alex Anthopoulos has uh, one of the best teams in baseball rolling into town. So it is a, a beautiful sports day in Toronto, Huss. Uh, I will not be inside the arena. Also outside my window here is where the folks will be lining up at Maple Leaf Square. Uh, everything is uh, all cordoned off and people are ready to roll. Uh, they're haven't started rolling in yet. Still uh, still four hours and change before puck drop, but uh, I anticipate things will be uh, heating up outside my uh, hotel this evening as well. And as you know, I'm a bit of a patron of the arts, so tonight uh, it's the last weekend of Hamilton the Musical. So uh, Stacy and I had booked this trip in 2020, Huss, pre-COVID. Uh, this is uh, making up for lost time evening, but uh, definitely I'm guessing there will be a few folks during the intermission of the show tonight that will be checking their phones for hockey scores and uh, perhaps catch up with a few of the uh, writer pals uh, after the game here this evening. I did not have on my bingo card. <laughs> you being like it would have been minus 400 Leafs Panthers. It would have been uh, plus yes, 300 yes, yes. Blue Jays and it would have been plus 100,000 <laughs> Hamilton the musical. So uh, that that's why the long shots sometimes pays off, right? That's why the long shots are are occasionally paying at the at the counter. Well, speaking of long shots, I've got a banger in the Coolbet exclusives tonight yes. with those underdog Blue Jays and underdog Panthers along with the Warriors. We'll tell you about that a little later on if you want to go check that out right now. Um, we'll maybe touch on the series at the end because I think we've spent a lot of time without much Jets news this week talking about everything else in the playoffs. But, Ken, uh, you've got a great new mailbag up at um, uh, uh, sportsnet.ca. Uh, and right off the bat, 
the question was, what would a Connor Hellebuck contract extension, if he was up to it with the Winnipeg Jets, look like? And uh, listen, it didn't get any cheaper with the announcement yesterday that uh, he's once again a Vesna Trophy finalist. Uh, I, I had often thought that, listen, with what Hellebuck's done so far, the fact that sometimes you have to pay a premium to keep guys in Winnipeg, that we'd be talking about a carry Price-like deal, probably eight figures and probably seven or eight years. You didn't go quite that far, but uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the question that was posed to you and uh, where you ended up. And, and beyond that, what are the chances of that happening with the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, Hassa, I'll start off by saying, yeah, Craig Zamzow, great, great question. Uh, the the phrasing of it was excellent. Uh, he said, if you have only one chance to make an offer, what would it be? And I'm not suggesting that nine and a half would get it done, Hus, but uh, I think in the initial foray has to be at least six years and at least $9.5 million. I think Hellbuck's camp does want a contract north of $10 million. They haven't told me or anybody else that unless they've told Kevin Chevalier off that. We're not, we're not familiar with those things and neither Ray Petkow or Kevin Chevaldeoff would be negotiating through the media but I keep uh, asking them to add me to the group chat but <laughs> yeah. that hasn't worked so far <laughs> so like I said that I would say that my number was conservative the reason why I chose six years is because I think five would be a number that the team would be more comfortable with, but I don't think that five gets it done given Hellebuck's age soon to be 30. Uh, the contract will only kick in at 31. Uh, I, I think that he will be looking for the security and stability of a seven or eight year deal. However, um, I mean, I, I think that the commitment at you know nine and a half for six years would be the most expensive contract the Jets would ever sign. I think they'll have to go beyond that comfort level or even I'm not even saying that's comfortable, but I think they'd have to go beyond what I projected. But um, I was doing my best to I mean, the other part of this, too, Huss, that the Jets and any other team is going to have a challenge with because of the way the league is going to more of an A, B or A, 1A, 1B scenario. How comfortable are teams going to be in terms of paying north of nine and a half or ten million dollars? for a starting goalie. Well, quick counterpoint what if, on that. The what reason if those why numbers go from to... 65 to 55 though, Huss? That that's if he's if he's starting 65, of course. But it can a goalie be worth it if he's only playing 50 to 55 games is where I'm coming from. Well, I'm not where saying I'm coming that from is the can't, reason why but... teams are doing that is because they don't have a Connor Hellebuck. <laughs> Agreed, but Huss, there are only, you know, I think what did I write? I mean, Connor, I think is the fourth or fifth highest paid goalie already at six point two or just under six point two five, right? So, an extra three million that would put him, I think, just behind Price and Bobrovsky. So, or maybe not even behind Bobrovsky if he gets what he wants. So, I just think it's interesting, Huss. I mean, I'm not saying that the Jets shouldn't do it or won't do it. I'm just saying that the discussion is shifting. I mean, look at pitchers in baseball. We know that the salary scheme is much different, but I mean, starting pitchers are now going six innings, but the elite starting pitchers are still getting 30 million plus. So if it's going to be the same for baseball, then no problem. But in terms of roster construction, if you're if you're having to invest more in a backup, which is also part of my discussions this week, the Jets do need to upgrade the backup position, even though Riddick had a nice start to the year. He faded, and that forced Hellebuck to play too much down the stretch. Um, if you have to invest in a better backup, now, can you be paying the starter $10 million and the backup $3 million? Let's just use that as a round number. I mean, hmm. now you have $13 million invested in goal in a flat cap world where it maybe goes up $1 million. Now you're having to find a lot of the, you know, 
value contracts at 750 to yeah. $1 million. I mean, if it's, so, Heli, if it's Heli at that number, and I'll, I'll just make this statement where, wherever he goes, sure. The price is going to be the price to get oh, him no, done no, in yes. a long-term deal. And when that happens, whether it's in Winnipeg or any of the other 31 teams, that backup position is going to be a big save Dave of the year coming in on a, Seven fifty one one point two five million dollar contract because I do agree with you. I mean, if you're investing that much in your clear cut number one, uh, pretty tough to be spending two three million on a guy that you know is going to be playing twenty twenty five times a year. Right, Huss. At, at thirty years old, yes, but at thirty five, are you going to be comfortable with Hellebuck playing sixty five games a year? I'm just saying that that. Those kind of contracts haven't always aged all that well, including Carey Prices, who Jets fans know particularly well. His last playoff run coincides with knocking the Jets out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But when the $10.5 million goalie broke down in the middle of that contract, they become a team that picked first overall last year and will have the fifth pick this year. So there i'm just all to say hellebuck will be worth whatever he's worth on the market he has earned it based on his you know this is the third vesna nomination in 6 years so we know he is an elite goaltender but when you're looking in your 30s for goaltenders with a high workload not a ton of them have aged all that well having said that hus if the jets want to avoid the rebuild which was my other column this week which i believe they do i, I think that having a goalie of the caliber of connor hellebuck is essential and there aren't a ton of guys even if the jets are able to move hellebuck or have to move hellebuck because he's not interested in an extension hypothetically speaking he's going to be a hard guy to replace let me ask you this on this because i mean again we could talk for a while but i think the points are clear he's earned a big contract he's Mm -hmm. one of the best goaltenders in the league if you want to keep him if you want to keep your franchise player regardless position you're not getting them on the cheap so that is but you just mentioned you know, they want to, what does avoiding a rebuild mean? Like in your opinion, when, when we're talking about the jets would like to avoid a rebuild, how does that look next season? And, and, and what does that mean for the team beyond next year? Sure. Hus. for me, it means this, it means they're competitive and they're fighting for a playoff spot, whether that's a wild card spot or second and third in the central will all depend on what the trades are made or the free agent signings or however that all shakes down. What we know there, you know, despite Kevin Sheveldeos reluctance to say it at the podium, the jets are going to look a lot different in the fall, uh, just out of necessity. So to me, that means replacing players on the fly. It means replacing them with capable NHL players. They're going to need probably a year or two before the next wave of player is ready to jump in. And I'm talking about Brad Lambert, who will be on the ice at his future home this evening with the Seattle Thunderbirds against the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, I'm talking about Chaz Lucius. I'm talking about Rutger McGordy. Could he turn pro at the end of next year after a sophomore season at Michigan? Absolutely. Does that mean it's with the Jets, with the Moose? That's up to him. That's up to how his summer and his season goes. All three of those players, Huss, shouldn't be full-time regulars until probably two years from now. Do I expect at least one of them and maybe all three of them to get their first NHL games next year? Yes, I do. But in the meantime, that means having capable NHL players on the roster that can keep the Jets in the hunt either for a wild card berth or you know, battling for second or third or whatever they they end up being. Now, let's go back to Hellebuck, Huss. One team that was eliminated last night is probably looking for a goalie upgrade. And the other team whose season is on the line this evening 
could also be looking for an upgrade, even though, yes, indeed, Joseph Wall did an excellent job in Game 4 to help the Leafs avoid the sweep. If the Leafs get lose tonight, Huss, it sounds, at least from the folks in this town who follow the team closely, that it sounds like Kyle Dubas is in trouble. It sounds like Sheldon Keefe could be in trouble. It sounds like the Shanna plan could be could be changing. That also could mean that the next general manager, if it's not Kyle Dubas, is looking for a sta- more stable solution in goal. Joseph Wall might be that person in two years, but if they're keeping that core together, I can't see them going into next year with Joseph Wall as the number one in, in Toronto. That's why Connor Hellbuck would appeal to them on the short term with just over $6.2 million, uh, 6. million. For the Devils, Huss, Schmid did a nice job, had a great season, is a good story. I mean, Vitek Vanacek didn't get the job done. He was the starter this year. He was not the starter when their season ended. So they are a team that, you know, not in terms of roster construction, but right now, Huss, the Devils are like the 2018 Jets. They think everything is on the ascent. This was a nice first step for them. They won an important game seven in round one. Disappointing finish in round two. Are they comfortable with instability between the pipes? I don't think so because they know that even if they get past the Rangers and whoever else, you're still staring at the Hurricanes or one of those other teams in that division. So the other thing about the Devils that's interesting, Huss, we know this because the Jets were in pursuit of Timo Meyer. The issue for the Devils, are they going to be able to sign both Timo Meyer and Jesper Brat, their in-house homegrown talent, two deals north of $8 million on long-term deals? I'm not sure. I think it would be very challenging unless they don't invest in the goalie position. If they do choose to invest in the goalie position in someone like Connor Hellebuck, then they probably have to move out an $8 million player like Jesper Brat or Timo Meyer. So maybe then the Jets, you know, can the Jets be a, back to the original question, us, can the Jets be a wildcard team with Jesper Brat and Vitek Vanacek or Akira Schmidt in net? I'm not sure, but they would at least be capable NHL players and they'd upgrade the forward position in a year where they're probably going to lose a couple of high-end forwards. So all to say that the hot stove for the offseason is going to be fascinating, but those are just two of the teams that would be looking for upgrades in goal. There's probably as many as 10 teams, Huss, that are looking for an upgrade in goal uh, going into the offseason, but not a lot of those contenders have a lot of money to spend which is why Hellebuck on that one-year deal at just north of six would be highly appealing, but it's not a, an you know it's not just you use the eraser you put in Hellebuck and that's an automatic win for them because the teams are so good right the best team the best record in, in NHL history just got knocked out in the first round by an eight seed so uh, I'm fascinated by where things will stand a with Hellebuck and b if the Jets have to move them. How do you find your Alexander Georgiev, right? Those those two players, Huss, if I put their hockey cards side by each from this year, Hellebuck and Georgiev, their seasons weren't all that dissimilar. Almost the same number of starts, goals against were similar, so was, so was the save percentage. Hellebuck's goal saved above expected, according to Money Puck, was higher, but that's because he faced a higher level of, of shot at quality, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd make the argument you take Allmark or Swayman from sure. uh, Boston and stick him here, or Gorgiev from, you know, the defending Stanley Cup champs. But they were banged and, up all year, Huss. See. I mean, they, they, weren't the, they weren't last year's avalanche, is all I'm saying. Yeah, like, he had a great year as a first-time sure. starter. This is what I mean. I, I'm not saying, if it were easy to find someone like him, 
then everyone would find that next person, yeah. right? There's as many guys like Vanacek or who fade or, um, you know, who are some of the other guys? I mean, there's all kinds of, the history has shown when you think the backup's ready, sometimes he is and a lot of times he isn't. So that's a humongous roll of the dice going from a Hell. perennial Vesna candidate to a, to a coin flip, right? Well, I, mean, that, I mean, even some of the starters aren't ready. Exactly. I mean, I, Stuart Skinner is the guy in Edmonton right now, and right. Jack Campbell was just signed as a big free agent acquisition last year. But, I mean, bringing it back to the Jets, and this is why I ask, what does avoiding a rebuild mean? Is because, I mean, we've heard, we were talking about Dubois and Shifley, and someone had suggested, I think it was Ruwicki, talking about Elias Lindholm in Calgary. I mean, to me, you're just shuffling deck chairs if you're getting a player like that that also has an expiring contract. Right. Like, if they're, in your opinion, if the Jets are trading Hellebuck or Dubois or Shifley, all possibilities, I mean, what what are they or what should they be looking to get back? And is it different if they are, quote, avoiding a rebuild or embracing where they are right now, which unfortunately is not a Stanley Cup contender? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, it depends on the offers, first and foremost. So to me here, so you talk about the shuffling of the deck chairs. Evgeny Kuznetsov, his agent spoke out, he probably wants a change. So Kuznetsov has two years left at just under eight instead of one. Now, I'm not saying you go Shifley for Kuznetsov straight up, but is if that's part of a bigger package, I mean, now you're not just kicking the can down the road, Huss. Now you're back to aligning yourself with the pieces that I said are coming. And the thing with Kuznetsov I would find interesting is the fact that Chibrikov is coming over to play in North America. You know, I think he needs at least a year with the Moose. In that second year, if he's ready, you know, would it be great for him to have a guy like Kuznetsov around or a Dodonov or, or someone else who's Russian? Uh, or, you know, Ryshevsky's probably not. He's at least two years away unless something changes with his KHL deal after his extension. But by having Kuznetsov for two years, yes, you would be getting an extra year that they would not have with Shifley, but you're also giving – like to me, that's like the old Jokinen signing that people ripped forever. Jokinen did his job. He didn't produce like an 80-point player, but having Jokinen here, Huss, allowed the Jets to send Shifley back to junior two different times so that his rookie season came as a 20-year-old instead of an 18-year-old. Now, Kuznetsov's not in the same late stage of his career as Jokinen was, but he could be a guy who, when motivated, he would be like Jamnov in the, in the 90s, right? He would be a guy that could be a 70, 70-plus 70 point player. And if Kuznetsov's your number one center, it's a lot different than if it's you know someone else, whether that's Cole Perfetti moving to the middle or signing Vladislav Nemestikov to be the number two or whatever else. There's got to be a combination of present and future, Huss. Now, the, the interesting part with that, you know, would would the Capitals want to have Mark Shifley signed after this year, right? For them, they want Ovechkin to get break the record probably in the next two years. Does playing with Mark Shifley help achieve that goal, or are they comfortable with Dylan Strom and Backstrom at the end of his career as their centerman? That we don't know. But Kuznetsov is a guy who's available. So the other thing that I wrote about, you, you got to find the next. I mean, everyone wants Kirby Doc for Dubois. If you're if you're the if you're Ken Hughes, why would you make the trade? And I also saw some people suggest the fifth overall pick. The fifth overall pick is not part of any deal for Dubois unless the Canadians feel pressure from an outside source and get leveraged into moving number five. The, the there, Jets, there's a lot of talk in the chat on that. That that's an if Montreal is, picked up the phone today and said Chevy, here's number five for Dubois. That is an automatic yes, right? 
Well, I mean, you got to get something for the present also. I just don't think that I – I just don't see any – I think that the Florida Panthers first-round pick that they got for, in the Ben Sherratt deal, now that could be on the table, right? That's around 13 or whatever the number is. I don't think that the Habs are interested in moving the fifth overall pick under any circumstances. It goes opposite in line of what the whole premise of tanking did for them, right? So why would you give up a top-five pick, especially in a draft like this? And I would even argue, Huss, too – the thing with the Canadians, based on all of the draft picks they've accumulated over the last two years, they are much more well positioned to go out and pick Mitchkoff, even knowing that he's not here for a year or two, because of all the other talent they've assembled. He's not going to be there outside the top 10, but at five, the Canadians don't need that fifth pick to be playing next year. He won't be in the lineup for them. He probably, you know, maybe the year after could be if they work out some of the details with the KHL. But for them, would they move him to get Dubois? I just don't think that, you know, if you're not going to move Kirby Doc for him, who's a former top five pick, a third overall pick, why would you move the current or fifth pick in a draft that everyone considers to be one of the deepest in years? I just don't see that as a play for them unless there is pressure from Dubois potentially wanting to sign an extension elsewhere if the Jets choose to trade him to somewhere like Boston or Colorado or any of the other teams that are wanting to change their complexion, I think I, I think we should include the New York Rangers on that list, Huss. Uh, the Breadman had a terrible playoff, only two assists in those seven games. Some of his best hockey was played alongside Pierre-Luc Dubois with the Columbus Blue Jackets. They remain close friends. I, I would think that they would be a poten- <clears throat> potential partner. Sorry. Um but that's the thing. We, we don't know, Huss. Who is serious about these players and how serious are they in terms of moving current day assets versus some futures? The Jets need to get some present, but they also will be looking for futures just based on the, you know, is, replenishing some is, of those picks. I, I just I just think that that's a big mistake. I mean, to be honest, I mean, to be so... Um, I, I mean, listen, this is – if you're turning over Shifley and, and Dubois and Connor Hellebuck, I mean, whether you like it or you don't like it, Ken, this is a significant moment for the organization. It's a significant moment for the turnover of the roster. And, I mean, to just try to keep your head above water and stay in that murky middle and give yourself a chance of potentially making the playoffs um, at, at the expense of what could be – some real assets that help you far greater in two or three years, to me, makes uh, makes way more sense to do that. And and I would imagine most fans agree with that. Um, I think it's the, the writing's on the wall that this team is probably not going to be right where they were in seasons past. So, I mean, at some point, you just have to accept that. that that's where I'm coming from, Ken. And I would far rather them go, maybe not necessarily with picks, but I really do think that if a if a Dubois deal happens, if a Shifley deal happens, I mean, we're not talking about a Kuznetsov coming in for two years. We're talking about a player that's either on his ELC or a young player that's got three or four years of RFA status that's under team control that can grow into, and obviously a player that the organization believes in, that makes a heck of a lot more sense, certainly in the long term. And I think you could also make an argument that in the short term, it gets you closer to legitimately being able to contend as opposed to crossing your fingers and a hope that you might get a couple playoff dates in April. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I know where you're coming from, but you know, would you? What would you have told me if I if I said the Jets traded for Oliver Bjorkstrand in the summertime, a guy who is in his mid twenties, is under contract for five and a half, and gets forced out by signing someone like Johnny Gaudreau, right? So somebody's going to do that, and they're going to have to move a five million dollar player. What if that player is in his mid or to late twenties and is under team control and not just a two year player? I mean, these are the kind of players they need to find. I mean, I think Jared McCann is a great example. Jared McCann in his other stops, Vancouver, Pittsburgh, um, some of the other stops before Seattle was an 18 to 20 goal guy and became a 40 goal guy with Seattle when his role increased. I mean, we, we need to look no further than Andrew Ladd and Blake Wheeler. These were guys who on other teams, championship teams, were third line players sometimes, sometimes in the second, you know, in the second line. But is there a third line player like Chandler Stevenson who goes from the Capitals to Vegas and then becomes a 65 point player? I mean, you can find those guys. Again, they're hard to find. But if you can identify that kind of player, that is what will keep them competitive. And Hus, this was my argument in the mailbag, and it's the one that I've the same drum I've been banging for six months when my media colleagues have told me the Jets should tank. The problem with the Jets tanking now in the central division, Hus, in the central division alone, the Hawks and the Coyotes are two to four years ahead in the tanking process. And Chicago just expedited their process by getting Connor Bedard. There are two big-time question marks. The fact that Connor Bedard is going to be nowhere near the St. Louis Blues, they are a question mark. The Nashville Predators, even with UC Soros, even though they battled right to the very end, to the wire, and that their prospects are you know, doing a nice job in Milwaukee, they are a question mark. So in the Central Division, out of the seven teams, Hus. Four of them are question marks, and the fifth, the Minnesota Wild, will have dead money approaching $15 million. So does that mean they're not a playoff team? No, it doesn't. It means they're no guarantee beyond Kaprizov and some of their other guys to be the same kind of team they Here's were the this thing, year. Though, the Jets That's are five also teams. a question mark. Like of course the they are, of Hus. I agree with you, but... To openly say you're going to be want to be one of the worst teams. Well, no, and, Kate, listen, I'm not saying that at all. And, and well, to but, me, to me, like the tank, the scorched earth tank, and a rebuild are are very, very different things. And I guess it's semantics when people talk about rebuild or reload. I'm not suggesting for a second they tank. I think there's enough good enough players, even without those guys. If you do get comparable, uh, or, sorry, not comparable, but reasonable replacements sure. in in that and, and you know maybe with more opportunity can flourish like that but to me i would way rather go down that road knowing that you've got a couple blue chip players that can come in sure. potentially and maybe excel at the time that the lamberts are coming in to avoid yeah no i'm not sitting for a second here i think there's too much talent on this team to start talking about you know trying to be really bad but i do think that you know, it, what what would be a mistake is get, and listen, for the record, I think the Jets would have almost zero interest in a guy like Kuznetsov. The guy's a flake. He's unreliable. Um, he's had quite a few off-ice issues beforehand. I don't think that they'd even consider that. Just yeah, my personal opinion. Just using opinion. him as an example. I'm not yeah. saying him in particular. I'm just saying like that there are going to be players who, you know, who, players who are available to us, not players who are excelling in their current program. 
right? Yeah. So well, no, but at the same time, I not mean, often. Kirby Doc got traded for the thirteenth, but he was pick struggling. Sixty six. He pick. was struggling at the time. Well, Hus. He it, it, had been exactly. hurt and he didn't play well. But to me, that's the sort of player that the Winnipeg Jets need to look for. Sure, a younger player under team control, because as we know, you do this for Kuznetsov, you do this for Lindholm or one of those other players, and you have what you think might come in as a reasonable replacement for those guys. You got the same damn problem at the end of the year. Uh, it doesn't get you any more closer to a long-term solution to it. And to me, that's where I think this team should be looking for with any of the assets that come back in possible deals, not just worrying about this season and uh, maybe it'll make us a little bit better and give us a better chance of making the playoffs. This needs to be a bigger vision right now because this will be the most significant turnover in 2.0 history with key players that have been basically franchise players for them. And you need to be able to know that you're going Going in the right direction beyond this season with any deals that come. That's that that's where I'm at on this. No, no, bang on us. And, th- and that's why I use New Jersey and Brat and guys like that as an example, right? Those are those are players that you're going to sign long term or you believe in because they're in their early twenties, right? So yeah, I mean, I know where you're coming from. I'm just saying that I, I I've heard a lot of people suggest to me the Jets should tank openly and rebuild. A retool versus rebuild, you can call it whatever you want, but the team's going to have to be competitive because if they're not competitive, you're not just moving on from the four guys we've been talking about. You're probably moving on from Kyle Connor uh, because he has three years left or you're moving on from Ehlers because he has two left. And if, you're, if, you're, if your rebuild is three years long at minimum, then you got to maximize those other assets. And now you're talking about shifting over eight players instead of four. And to me, that's, there's a big difference there. But it's all market related, right? I mean, we have no idea what the offers are going to be like. We thought some of these deals would have happened last summer, and they didn't. So, but now the time is come, you know, to come due. The the payment is going to be due either in the form of an extension or in the form of a trade, because the last thing Kevin Cheveldayoff can afford to do is to have Pierre Luc Dubois play out this season. He walks for nothing, and the return for Patrick Line and Jack Rozovic is three years of Pierre Luc Dubois and nothing else. And in that time, to this point, that has included one playoff victory. That That's that's not going to fly here. No, no. And, and, and to be honest, I mean, and we could maybe talk about this next week on the concept of, you know, when do you get max value for these players? Um, there is an argument that the trade deadline might be that spot. However... What if he's not available at the trade deadline? Well, uh, well, I mean... What if he's hurt? Then you get nothing. Well, absolutely. And the other question is, what if you've actually had a really good season and it basically nukes your chances of going to the playoffs? Exactly. But to me, this can't just be about... If you're trading these players, which looks like it very well likely may happen, it can't just be about trying to stay competitive for one year. It needs to be a part of the bigger oh, yeah. picture. And I'm sure that's very much front and of mind. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll uh, see you on Tuesday with the uh, the rest of the gang. Yeah, buddy, should be a great time. Eddie, uh, good to see you. Have a great hit. I hope the camp is going well. But yeah, looking forward to the uh, K&R year-ender at TCB on Tuesday night. Uh, and it is officially a sellout, Huss. Uh, thanks to everyone. I know there's a bunch of people in your chat room here that uh, have supported both the show and the year-end party, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. We appreciate all of it. Uh, Eddie, enjoy the football season. And Huss, uh, enjoy that Western Hockey League Championship uh, final this weekend. Should be uh, some fantastic hockey being played. Uh, a few uh, a few uh, prospects in the first-round category to be on the ice uh, at Canada Life Centre this evening uh, on both clubs, but uh, should be a great series there as well. And I know it was a fun week uh, or a fun couple days for a lot of the kids around our province. Has a great showing 
uh, in the Western Hockey League Vanham draft here the last uh, day and a half here also. So uh, fun times all around. We will uh, report back with what things look down out my hotel window uh, at about uh, 11 p.m. tonight, uh, barring double overtime. Yeah, well, I'll be at the ice game tonight <laughs> watching, you know, a championship game here in Winnipeg. Very important on the sports scene. And I'll look forward to your live tweets of Hamilton the musical <laughs> at Wings World. Hey, Thanks, buddy. buddy. Hey, you got to expand your horizons once in a while. Have a great weekend, my man. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. Uh, as Ken mentioned, uh, Ed Tate's going to join us from uh, Blue Bomber HQ with the little Bomber training camp look ahead and rookie training camp report. Of course, when we're talking Bombers on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we do it for Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold and a host of the Princess Auto tailgate party before each and every game. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, as, you, uh, as we get greener outside, folks, you might be thinking about irrigation options for your property. And why not talk to the experts at Consolidated Supply who've been the go-to people for the golf industry for decades here in Manitoba. They're the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf. Maybe you want that dream putting green in the backyard. And of course, golf carts, new and used as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. They've also got other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And, of course, small engine parts and repair. Popeye and Sea Consolidated Supply at their new showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East. Or find out more online at cte.ca. Uh, Royal Sports is so busy right now with spring here. Uh, you know them as Manitoba's number one sports superstore with the biggest and best selection of licensed team gear featuring all your favorite teams and leagues. The ultimate hockey superstore with the biggest selection in town. But they also are filling up with spring stock for soccer players, baseball players, softball, tennis, and so much more, not to mention a huge selection of bikes. It really needs to be seen to be believed. Pop on down to Royal at 750 Pembina Highway and keep tabs on everything going on at the store by following them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information and uh hey great night tonight and i'll probably be hitting a bp after the ice game tonight to uh, keep an eye on that warriors lakers game and of course the golden knights and oilers there's no better place to get together with friends for the big game than your local bp ice cold schooners world famous bp wings gourmet pizzas the new fried dill pickle spears triple play combo on their fanalytics approved bp feature menu and if you're staying in you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's bring in Eddie Tate in from Bomber headquarters as rookie camp continues just a couple days before the vets get on the field. Eddie, man, it's great to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? Fantastic. Huss, how are you, man? I'll tell you what, I'm fired up. The uh, The disappointment of Game 5 and the Jet playoff run, I think I said today on the top of the show, has officially left me. The weather is beautiful outside. We got the Gold Eyes kicking off their season yesterday and first pitch at home next Friday and of course the Winnipeg Blue Bombers back officially on the weekend but uh, had the rookies running around to fill us in on what the week's been like uh, around IG Field and uh, what you've seen from rookie camp so far. Well it's interesting you go from uh, kind of being in uh, second gear for most of the off season to it's like uh, going 100 miles an hour now right it's just crazy how it just uh, 
cranks up when when the rookies report. A lot of the veterans are here. They're supposed to all be here by tomorrow. And, uh, you know, on, on Sunday, I'm not sure what the numbers are going to be because there's still guys getting, you know, jettisoned out of here and new guys coming in. But there'll be so many people on Sunday, maybe, you know, around 100 guys if you count the draft picks and the Winnipeg Rifles guys that are in camp. So uh, there's an awful lot of bodies. And that's what uh, you kind of notice when you're watching rookie camp is you can get excited about a guy, but you got to be careful because uh, someone that looks mm. – awesome in the first three days of rookie camp can disappear in a hurry when the veterans report on Sunday, but it's great. That's, it's just fun to be back out here watching them trying to put this team together again. Well, and of course, I mean, uh, fairly or unfairly, uh, and maybe not in the eyes of the coaches, but not all rookies are created equal. Some come in with big expectations and big resumes. Others, no one's even heard of them before. Got to ask you about Anthony Bennett, the uh, number one pick in the bombers, CFL draft. Um, he comes in after a very interesting backstory and a more mature player at 26. Uh, have you noticed anything from him so far? Well, you do notice the maturity. He's really a, a kind of a gregarious guy, but he's he just seems relaxed out there. You know, he's not pressing. Uh, you can see flashes of why they like him. He's pretty quick off the edge. He's, a, he's an end more than a tackle. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you're going to have to see what he does in uh, in the preseason, in particular when he gets his reps on defense and then on special teams. That's where he's going to have to make his hay to start. So um, he looks like a first-round draft pick, right? He, he looks good, but it's, it's going to look a lot different when uh, he's trying to edge rush against the Stanley Bryant or Jamarcus Hardrick. But uh, those Canadian kids that are drafted are always, you know, uh, for the most part, uh, works in progress for right from the beginning, and I think that'll be the same with Anthony Bennett. How about uh, how about Junior uh, Mike O'Shea, Michael O'Shea, and you know, and maybe give people a little bit of a background on how that all came. Because of course, I mean, I believe it was Mike or Kyle said it earlier. It wouldn't maybe be fair um, to to draft him, but um, how's it gone so far? And uh, how did he end up uh, trying out for a spot with his dad's team? You know, yeah, obviously it was a storyline coming into this, right? Because uh, you're right, there had been some discussion about whether he would come into camp or not. I mean, I, I keep saying this. He's got great credentials. He's a two-time All-Canadian at the junior level, one as a returner, one as a receiver. And, uh, like, he's had a very good camp. Uh, you know, this isn't uh, this is, wasn't just a courtesy invite. He can play. And uh, if you didn't know that he was the coach's kid, you'd be, you know, circling his name and putting some check marks by his name for some good plays. He's quick. Uh, he he uh, he runs good routes, and he just works his ass off. And that wouldn't surprise anybody that knows his dad or watches dad play, right? So, I mean, again, it was a storyline coming in to this because of you know the father son thing. But as we get further on in camp. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can still keep making plays because uh, he he deserves to be out there. Let's put it that way. You know, he uh, he sounded uh, mature beyond his years when I heard him in uh, conversations with the uh, the media earlier, and I think he knew that it was all coming. Right. It, it, all these questions would be asked. It wasn't like he wasn't prepared for it. But I will say this, and I mentioned this on the show earlier. I mean, not knowing Michael O'Shea Jr. at all, I would imagine that you know, growing up around his father, you know, a football player, a football coach, and he's probably about as well um, equipped to, to to manage a unique situation like that as a football player and not as a son. Then 
probably anyone considering uh, what he's seen from uh, from dad over the course of these years. Be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, sounds like pretty much everyone else is in town, though, Ed. Uh, I know you've been seeing a lot of the veterans, uh, the guys ready to get on the field on the weekend and uh, start getting after it. Absolutely. You know, <clears throat> the quarterbacks, uh, Drew Brown and Zach Claris, have been uh, they threw quite a bit on Wednesday and, and have backed off a little bit, let the other guys have some terms. But you always look up in the stands and uh, I guess it's to the right of where the media usually camps out. You look over there and there's a peanut gallery of uh, vets that are taking in uh, the, the rookie sessions just to kind of measure up the uh, uh, the candidates. And, uh, it you know, they're, they're excited to get back at it. Like I say, the building is, had been quiet for a lot of the winter, but it's it's buzzing right now. And you know, when you get guys like Willie Jefferson and Zach and Drew Wallatarski and, you know, all these guys wandering around the building, it just it starts to get louder. It's something that uh, Coach O'Shea has talked about, how, uh, you know, it's one of the, the coolest things about getting back here for camp is when you see these guys back in here, it's almost like uh, guys coming back after the summer to a frat house, you know. It's just, uh, it's wild how uh, everybody gets so fired up just to be back. I just imagine Drew Olitarski uh, busking outside the bomber store uh, during rookie camp until he's got to get back out on the on the, the, the field with his team. Um, hey, you mentioned the quarterbacks. Uh, and again, folks, go to bluebombers.com. It's got great breakdowns of positional battles and uh, and positional groups heading into training camp. Quarterback's always a huge one. I mean, and Drew Brown really showed that he was capable of being – um, a guy that the Bombers could turn to, certainly right off earlier in the season, coming off the bench and helping them that win that game early on. I don't think there's any question that he is likely going to be the number two. Um, but no Dakota, Dakota Prukop, who uh, we saw a lot in particular situations last year gone. Um, tell us about the uh, a battle for a third quarterback spot on the roster. Yeah, it's a it's interesting, hey, because there's been so many years, Huss, we've both been around this team for a long time where the, the quarterback battle was the story of camp. Who's going to be the starter, right? And it's in that sense, it's almost boring because we know Zach and we know that Drew Brown is, I think, the ideal number two candidate because he's shown some flashes. It's a guy that needs more work. And some people might say, well, you'd ra- rather have more experience than Caleros. Yeah, sometimes. If, if the experience is is dated or, you know, the guy's, you know, he's not going to be a long-term answer, then I'm not sure that's what I want for a number two. The, the, the guys in camp here, it's interesting. They're, and this says something about the way football is right now. They're all straight from college guys because, you know, you've got NFL with uh, expanded practice rosters. You've got the USFL. You've got the XFL. The, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks now that are, are getting looks in those other leagues. So, um there's uh, Terrell Pegrome, I I'm, I'm hope I'm pronouncing that right, from Towson State. Uh, there's Josh Jones from uh, North Carolina Pembroke, Billy Hall from Reinhardt University, Cooper Callis from Southwest Baptist, and the Canadian kid from Laval, uh, Arnaud Desjardins. And, you know, um, you, you, you kind, of, kind of fixate on one guy for one series or one throw here and there, and they all, they all kind of look the same to me right now that, you know, um, show some flashes here and there it's going to be about the preseason for these guys who makes it to the preseason and 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 then what they what they can do running that short yardage package and that's where the bombers are uh, at that position you've got a clear-cut number one an intriguing number two and then you need somebody 
to run that short yardage package the way Dakota Prukop did in the past, the way Sean McGuire did, the way Chris Strubler did. If you could find someone that's uh, kind of close to those guys, I think that would be gold for the Bombers. Uh, Eddie, uh, you know, and I guess that'll be uh, that what people have been paying attention to during rookie camp. I mean, as much as any, I mean, some of these quarterbacks who's looking good, but it gets real on the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the running back position is interesting. It's so many of the same guys uh, coming back. I mean, Mike Miller's back, Johnny Augustine, Greg McRae. The receiving group is a little different, and I'll be honest, Ed, I thought that it would look a lot different this year because I certainly wasn't counting on Dalton Schoen being back, and I did not have Kenny Lawler returning to Winnipeg. I mean, on paper, uh, do you agree this is the most lethal receiving core we've seen in well, as long as I can remember right now, at least on paper, considering what they've done, then you add Kenny, who might be the number one guy in the league. Yeah, it's it's pretty stacked. I mean, even when Kenny Lawler came back, Huss, I don't think a lot of people thought that Rashid Bailey would stay because he was getting offers from other teams, and he, he took a, a cut to stay here, which says something, too, about uh, his comfort level here and what he thinks this team has here and how close it is. But you're right, this is as deep a group as I can remember, I'm going to go back to maybe 0102 when there was, uh, you know, Arlen Bruce and, and Milt Stiegel and there was uh, G. Roy Simon was part of that crew for a while and Robert Gordon. And so, you know, um, and then the Canadian content is really interesting, too, because Nick Dembski, I still think he's on the verge of a thousand yard season. Joel Otarski steady as ever. Brennan O'Leary Orns. They drafted Jeremy Murphy. I talked to him today. You got Michael O'Shea Jr. Like, there's a lot of talent here, um, and including Carlton Agadosi, who had that big game last year before he got hurt. So there's tons of options, and I think that's that says something about what this team did in the offseason and what they built here too. Because Kenny Lawler took a slice to come back here too because he wanted to be back in Winnipeg uh, because he liked it here so much. Well, uh, listen, cannot wait for Sunday. I, just quickly before we go, what area of the team, in your opinion, is the most interesting uh, in training camp where there is a job or two that's actually up for grabs, where the competition will be the fiercest and that people will be paying closest attention to in the next week? That's a great question. I mean, everybody's going to talk about the kickers. That was probably a storyline before uh, Sergio Castillo yep. was signed. But I still think that's an interesting one. I guess I would look in the secondary house just because there's always been so much turnover there in the last few years. You know, we saw some uh, some good work from Desmond Lawrence when he got picked up last year. Demario Houston looked solid before he got hurt last year. Jamal Parker, Evan Holm. But then there's always new guys that they bring in. It was Dietrich Nichols. It's DeAndre Alford. It's guys every year that some that Danny McManus and Ted Gavaya and Cyril Penn, the scouts, find that comes in here and opens your eyes. So that's one area that I'll keep a, an eye open to because um, there just seems to be so much turnover back there, but it's good turnover, right? Because they keep finding talented players over and over and over again. Absolutely. Ed Tates with MoveOvers.com joining us from IG Field. Training camp gets going on the weekend. What do fans need to know about uh, when the sessions are and what they can come out and see, Ed? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Sunday morning, I, you know, I, I'll tell you to check the website. I'll tweet it out later. I, I, I don't want to bugger up the time here, but uh, it's uh, Sunday they're, uh, and they're open to the to public. Uh, and we're at the main field at IG Field because Valor's on the road this week. And then Valor is uh, home next Saturday. And so I think that the, some of training camp would get moved over to Bison Field near the uh, soccer complex. So um, the, the, the daily schedules on our site, just keep your eye open for that. Just, uh, and remember 
All times are approximate. Don't get mad at me if it starts late or starts too early when you get here. Let's get it on. Unfinished Business Tour 2023 for the Blue and Gold. Cannot wait and can't wait to do this with you, hopefully, on the reg throughout the season. Ed, thanks you for your time and have a great weekend. Right on. Appreciate you, Huss. Thanks, man. You Good stuff. There's our guy, Ed Tate. And uh, as I say, great content at BlueBombers.com on all the positional battles heading into camp. Uh, just while we were doing that, I got a text from uh, my pal Greg over at Royal Sports. Big tent sale this weekend. And if you haven't seen a tent sale at Royal Sports, uh, it can only be witnessed in person. Thousands of crazy deals on shoes and apparel be all set up outside the store. When you think about how big the store is, think about how much stuff you need to be putting on if you're doing it outside. So the tent sale Saturday and Sunday, get on down there and take care of the incredible deals to kick off the summer. Uh, well, with uh, beautiful weather here, people hitting a patio, maybe doing a little barbecuing. If you're going to head down and grab some beers, make sure you make it Winnipeg's favorite little brown jug. And don't forget to try the new generic lager, which just launched your basic lager just better, impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and crisp finish. You can get it at vendors or liquor marts, but your best spot is to pop down a little brown jug Spend some time in their beautiful patio that was built last year and hosted our first sports trivia night and pick up all your favorite little brown jug delights to go. You can also, of course, order online for citywide delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. Golf going on down at the Byron Nelson PGA Week next week, Uh, but it's a big week for Manitoba golfers as people are back on the course and Breezy Bend is looking great, busy as always as uh, our partner course and one of Manitoba's top private clubs. Uh, And right now, there is a waiting list for next season. So uh, if you've been thinking about making Breezy a long-time home for you and your family on the course, talk to our friend Corey Johnson over at the course or find out more at breezybend.ca about getting on that waiting list for the upcoming season. And before we bring Hacksaw in... Uh, I'm getting ready to go fishing this summer. Three or four of the best days of the year when we head out to Aiken's world-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality from Pat and Pitt and the Turen family. Um, if you haven't been there before, you're going to want to check it out. Aikenslake.com online, an incredible place for uh, corporate trips. Uh, bring your top customers out, maybe a little bit of a getaway. And of course, friends, family trips and the like needs to be seen to be believed everything's online at akinslake.com and you can also hit pit up on twitter for more questions about availabilities for this summer as they're about 90 percent full for the upcoming season you can hit them on twitter at akins lake and uh, don't forget big press conference next week for the opening of the live racing season we'll have darren dunn on with us kirk Antois after picking mage in the kentucky derby we've demanded him come back before the preakness next week And then, of course, the Cinnaboy Downs gets going on May 22nd for the first day of another season of live racing. And Remo and I will be getting at it head-to-head. We both have one season in the books. This is the tiebreaker, year three of our picks for ASD. All right, we got a little CFL primer for Blue Bomber training camp. It was a big day and a long night for NFL fans going through their favorite team schedules. And uh, Hacksaw Hamilton is back with us. Lee, how you been keeping? Hope you had a nice holiday. Great to see you again. Nice to chat with you, Andrew. Uh, by the way, Chase DeLeo, uh, former Winnipegger, sends regards. I was with him yesterday. Oh, nice. San Diego Gold Star, Anaheim Ducks uh, 4A prospect. So he sends regards. 
He was a uh, he was a real favorite of ours and one of the nicest young men to play uh, here in the organization a long time. And great to see him back playing in front of friends and family down in Southern California. So, Lee, we got the schedule yesterday. And, uh, you know, I'm a Chiefs guy. Hey, they won the Super Bowl. We were going to be playing in the first game of the year. I didn't have the Detroit Lions on the card, but uh, I think this speaks a little bit to the expectations for Detroit and maybe what people learned about the Lions before last season in hard knocks. Uh, Were you sort of surprised, though, that the Lions got the primetime date on day number one of the season? A lot of things surprised me during the uh, release of all the schedules of all the clubs. Uh, I think that the one thing that kind of hit me in the face was, gee, how many times do we have to see Aaron Rodgers in the lowly New York <laughs> Jets? Because they're, they're going to be featured in a lot of primetime games. And usually you don't get bad teams on a ton of primetime games. Do you think they'll be lowly? Or do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a different? I mean, they had a pretty good squad, but they just had no quarterback play last year. That's what the you NFL's know, counting on, I bet. Well, that plus they had no offensive linemen because they were all hurt. So, yeah, I do believe it'll be a bounce back season. But how many times do I see the guys wearing green jerseys? You know, usually, at least last year, we had so many neon light first weekend matchups that said we can't miss this game. Uh, To to throw Detroit into the mix is a little bit of a surprise to me uh, on opening night against Kansas City. But, yeah, the Lions have earned their stripes and they think they're a playoff team and have been down forever and ever. But I think in the big picture – and maybe this is really what we should be talking about at the onset, Andrew, is the league has changed the scheduling formula. I don't know if this story has gotten much legs nationally, but historically, Fox always had all the NFC marquee games. CBS had all the marquee AFC games. And then obviously you had Monday night football, and then you had Sunday night football, which exploded into popularity. And Now they're force-feeding us Thursday night football on streaming on Amazon. That's the way it used to be. They blew it up in the new TV contracts starting this year. All the games go into one pot, and then the league will hand them out. Uh, The networks will make a request as to which games they'd like to have, but it's just not going to be all NFC on Fox and AFC on CBS. It's going to be different. The other thing, in the last group of years, as you know, as we got to the end of the season, Hustler, uh, we had flex scheduling where the league would say, well, we're going to take this game out of Sunday night because it doesn't look good. We'll replace it, swap it out with somebody from Sunday afternoon. They've just announced that they are now going to also use flex on Monday night football. If they get to the end of the season and they got teams that they thought were going to be good, they were ravaged by injuries or had bad seasons, they are going to pull a, a game out of Monday night and replace it by flexing something from Sunday afternoon into a marquee Monday night game. So, I mean, it's going to be a bonanza for the fans. We won't get very many clunkers. Uh, I went went back uh, this morning and just looked at some of the matchups. There's still, uh, I don't quite understand Monday night football scheduling. There are eight substandard teams still scheduled to play on Monday. You know, the Chicago's of the world and all that. And on Thursday night, Amazon got a little bit better for its streaming package this year because last year was awful. But they have eight bad games out of 16 weeks on Thursday night football. So, you know, the league the league has spread its tentacles. I mean, they're, they're televising everywhere except in the morning when you're having breakfast. And I think they're struggling because all the network partners say, I want some of these games. Don't shortchange me. We're paying all this money. So 
the league has tried to juggle the ball a little bit. I think it's been a bit of a struggle. Yeah, and I saw Mike Florio reporting that, I mean, there still is some ties to the NFC and Fox and the the, uh, the AFC to CBS, but the majority of the big marquee games are almost bid on or selected and almost like a draft. Uh, you know we're going to see a lot of the big quarterbacks on prime time. I was surprised Chargers got six prime time games this year. Uh, there was no doubt that the Chiefs were going to be on on quite a bit. The Chiefs heading out. Uh, the one thing that really surprised me, Lee, about the Chiefs' schedule, not that they're playing on Christmas or New Year's Eve. I mean, it's a unique day with those days being Sunday, so you want to have some big games. And obviously the, the opening game at home against the, the Detroit. But the fact that they're playing in Frankfurt, which is uh, – Amazing. I mean, you know, bringing top teams overseas, I think, is a lot better than usually the Jags playing whoever, which is what's been that way for the last few years. But the fact that the Tyreek Hill game against the Chiefs is not at Arrowhead, but on the road, that was one that really sort of took me back. But they're obviously wanting to put a marquee game to really put their best foot forward when they go to Deutschland. They got three in London. They obviously got two in Germany. They want to make a splash. They want good TV ratings for those games. They want to draw seventy to 90,000 because you know what's next? They're going into Paris. And the following year, they're probably going to go into Spain. So the league is, is just obviously planting the flag a lot of different places. And it's not going to be sexy if you're giving me the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears playing a game <laughs> in Germany. So that's that's why they're taking a chunk of these games uh, and, and good matchups, big names, because they're trying to grow the thing at warp speed. They didn't go to Mexico City this year, which was a bit of a surprise. Of course, the Cowboys historically, uh, the Houston Texans were always the teams, Arizona Cardinals, the border teams. They will go down to Mexico City, but they're not there this year. I think they do cycle back in there next year. So this is this is all about planting the flag and waving it in a lot more European markets. I'll be interested to see if they wind up in one of the stadiums in Paris and then the following year, something maybe in Madrid or Barcelona. Uh, it is cool. I mean, they're going to be filling those massive soccer stadiums overseas, making a lot of money and exposing the game to a lot of new fans. You wonder what that means for the league in five or 10 years and whether they finally do get a franchise or two playing in the same league, but overseas. Um, Lee, just from a, and, and I'll preface this question because often we can look back at what we think about the schedule at the beginning of the season and realize how wrong we were because how many teams have wild fluctuations from being bad to being good in, in one year. But from what you've seen going through, um, what stands out amongst, you know, maybe the schedules of some of the top teams, the top contenders. I know in our notes you mentioned the Eagles have somewhat of a death march of a schedule once they get to about the midway point. Yeah, let's look at the Super Bowl teams just really briefly. Uh, you, you look at Philadelphia, and it's they're going to win a bunch of games early because they're playing nobody early. But I will tell you, they play six in a row that are killers, and I don't know that they're going to survive this. Uh, let me just kind of read off my flow chart. On consecutive weekends, Jalen Hurts will play the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys again, and the Seahawks. That's a pretty mean street schedule, six weeks in a row. Uh, you know, you talked about Kansas City's schedule. I mean, the Chiefs are going to face every big-time young arm in the NFL, plus they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. So that's going to be fascinating because 
I think there's a methodology in the NFL that if you're going to beat Andy Reid in Kansas City, you better get yourself a quarterback and you better be able to score 42 points because that's the only way you're going to be in these games. And the Chiefs are going to face all those guns at quarterback, uh, you know, in the middle uh, of the season. So that's fascinating. You know, out here, uh, we think the Chargers, uh, I think the Chargers, nobody in San Diego thinks the Chargers, likes the Chargers, loves the Chargers. But I think the Chargers are going to be really good because of the quarterback, Justin Herbert, and everything they've now put around that kid quarterback and rebuilt the offensive line. And their schedule for the first time is really balanced. And that's the most amazing thing because over the years, I was the voice of the Chargers. I mean, we, we rack up to 32,000 miles traveling because we were the farthest west point outside of Seattle. And the travel was just a bitch. And and their schedule is more balanced. There's no three road games in a row. There's no go to the East Coast, come back, go to the Deep South, come back, consecutive things. Uh, the Chargers in Seattle have really struggled with the mileage aspect. I think the Chargers have a balanced schedule. Across the so- other side of the stadium, though, this is awful for the Rams. You look at the first six weeks of the Rams schedule. Hustler, their season will be over October 15th. I already thought they're in the midst of rebuilding. They don't want to use that. That's a dirty word. But they, the, the Rams have lost 17 veteran players off last season's roster, which was riddled by injuries. 17 guys, some defected, some traded, some retired because of injury. It's just not the same football team. Rams had 12 draft picks, which is a lot, and they just signed 24 street free agents. So they're looking. I'm surprised I haven't come ask you to try out. They are looking for help everywhere. And you look at the front end of the Rams schedule, and I, I just don't understand how the Rams are going to survive this. They open at Seattle. They play the Niners in week two. They go to Cincinnati in week three. Then they got Philly, Pittsburgh, Dallas, all that within the first six weeks of the schedule. I just don't know how, how they're going to survive it. So, uh, you know, there's, an, there's another inequity in the schedule. I just I just found this this morning. New York Giants are the big, you know, credibility year last year. They play seven of their first ten on the road. Yeah, it never happened possible? before. Yeah, what a brutal. Now, I grant you, they do share the stadium with Aaron Rodgers and the guys who are in green, the Jets. You know, normally you'd have scheduling snafus, hustler. It's because you're sharing a stadium with a baseball team and somebody might be in postseason. That doesn't occur anymore because nobody's using multi-purpose stadiums. But seven of ten on the road, my goodness, that's terrible. Yeah, tough uh, tough pill for Brian Dable right out the gate, and I'll need to surprise that going forward. Hey, we were talking about the Eagles for a minute. Uh, before we go, I've got to ask you about Jalen Carter. He was the first first-rounder, I believe, to sign – might have been a reason behind that, Lee, because um, part of the reason why he dropped is there was some pretty significant off-field red flags. Eagles, I mean, the, the potential of the, the return on this pick could be very, very good, but there's also some major risk involved. What's the latest on Carter? Well, let me just walk this back because I haven't talked to you for a couple of weeks since you're in autopsy, somber mode, Winnipeg Jets, hockey, and all that. <laughs> I'm not piling on. I'm just making a statement. But I will it's tell true. you that, that Carter... Yes, in many fronts. Carter uh, obviously dropped down the board because of character issues. Um, Carter was involved in this horrific drunk driving tragedy drag racing incident right after the national championship game in Athens, Georgia. And, And he was drag racing with a suspended license, broke all these rules, 
guy in the other car was a staffer on the football side and a teammate. The other car crashed, flipped. They got ejected. The staffer got killed instantly. The offensive tackle got killed instantly. The staffer had a blood alcohol count of 0.183 times the legal limit. Horrific. So you got that. Then there were questions about the, the statements that Jalen Carter made to the police in Athens post-accident. Were you there? Did you see it? Did you participate? Did you drive away? And evidently, and the insinuation was he was less than honest initially. Well, he got charged, charged with misdemeanors, things like speeding. Uh, he was not drunk, but speeding, a reckless control, leaving the scene of an accident, et cetera, et cetera. He settled out of court in a plea bargain, got put on probation for a pile of years, paid $1,000 fine. But now, now we find out this morning that he'd been doing this with a suspended license at Nobody that had not been made public. And he dropped on the board because of that character issue. And then Georgia assistant coaches, when they were canvassed by NFL teams about this kid, because this kid was projected to go as high as three, four, or five, and he dropped all the way down to nine. Georgia coaches did not speak glowingly of the person, not the player, the person. So there's all this character junk that's out there. And now the family of the deceased Georgia player who died in the accident has filed a $40 million lawsuit. And 10 million of that is a separate lawsuit against Jalen Carter for his involvement. 30 million against the University of Georgia, the athletic department, uh, the people that supplied the vehicles to the athletic department that were used illegally in this culture. So it's a deep, deep story. I don't know that he's going to get suspended by the league because he's already educated, uh, adjudicated the traffic violation with the Georgia police. But this kid's going to be, have to be on the straight and narrow. But the fact that he's gone to a good team, a bunch of his ex-teammates are there, huge amount of credible veterans. Uh, they'll guide him. They'll shift him. I really thought he was going to Seattle at five. I thought the Raiders might take him at seven. But I think that the scary junk off the field impacted a bunch of teams to either take him off the board or just walk away from him. Hey, Lee, uh, great having you back on the program. Can't wait to get back to uh, all our football conversations. But just on the way out, do the Warriors survive tonight in L.A. and bring it back to NoCal for a Game 7? Or is it LeBron's time to end this Warriors dynasty? I don't know if it's LeBron's time. It might be Anthony Davis's time. Uh, Anthony Davis has played like a man possessed. And LeBron has had his moments, although if you look closely... LeBron seems to have really slowed defensively. He looks hmm. tired, but they got a lot of firepower and different guys in different nights have really helped, helped the Lakers. Golden State's had a tremendous run. I think the only thing that's different about Golden State now is they're still shooting an absolute ton of threes, but they're not making the ton of threes that they used to make. And their clock management, I think, is really suspect. When you, when you have a, an eight or a 10-point lead, and you're coming down and launching a three uh, when there's 19 seconds left on the shot clock, why would you do that rather than run some time off the clock? That and the errant passes. I mean, there's so many turnovers. So Golden State is, is not the same basketball team. That being said, we got the head injury issue that Anthony Davis suffered right at the end of the last game. There's a rib cage injury involving Andrew Wiggins, and if he's not Andrew Wiggins, that's another piece uh, another bullet in the Golden State gun that might not be able to contribute. And Golden State is so grossly undersized. 
So if Anthony Davis plays and Anthony Davis stays in that game and the fact that Golden State has got these other issues, this sucker might be over. It's got to go back to San Francisco, game seven. I guess anything is possible. Well, I, I mean, Anthony Davis was taken off the field, <clears throat> the court in a wheelchair last game, uh, Lee. But I guess, you know, considering he's known as street clothes by the guys on the panel, he uh, if he can get it together, LeBron can only do so much, so much on his own. And, you know, the other guys on the team have actually done quite well. But to me, I'm with you. I mean, it is all about Anthony Davis, how well and how much he's going to be able to play tonight. If they're going to be able yeah, to get there's it a lot done. of there's a lot of junk on TV down here this side of the border, you know. And I'm, I'm just not talking about Trump and CNN, but <laughs> I did I did not think it was really professional of Barkley and Shaq to bang on AD when he took a blow to the temple. I thought that that was that was kind of mm-hmm. cheap. I mean, and I understand ha ha and jokes and you know calling them street clothes and paper mache and all that, but. That's kind of unfair when a guy gets gets blasted like that just in an accident. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't smoke a guy who tore his knee ligaments and landed wrongly after trying to go for a rebound. I, I'm sorry, I just thought it was a little bit beyond funny. Oh man, great stuff, Lee. I, I'm sort of with you as well. I mean, you don't want to joke about concussions, knowing what we know on them right now. Although um, he's maybe low lying fruit just for his history and how long he's been out there. Have a great weekend. Uh, I know you'll be enjoying the XFL championship game and everything else this weekend has to offer. Uh, have a great one, pal. We'll do this again soon. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Nice to chat with you again, Andrew. Be well. Right on. There's Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. NFL schedule is out, and we are getting ready for football season. Great to have Eddie Tate back on, Hacksaw on, and, uh, man, the weather's getting nice. The boys of summer are back with the fish starting their season next year. Life is good. Life is definitely good. All right. Uh, if you've been with us, you have seen the registration is open for the Marble Race. Uh, if you've just sort of been listening and haven't been paying attention, now's the time. Get into YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel so you're eligible to win our Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. Press that red subscribe button. Hit the thumbs up, if you would, as well, while you're here. And uh, put in exclamation mark marbles so we can get this going on. And Remo... I got to give a big shout out to Bozeman, who uh, who is in the chat right now, can never miss a marbles race, and just sent me a picture. He is ready for the marbles race from Antibes in the south of France. For re- listeners that are not familiar, my pal Shorn and another pal of mine, Ross, have a side bet with each other on the marble race each and every Friday. Ross tuned in from Paris a few months ago and uh you know Shorn's doing a little bit of a European vacation but uh death taxes and being in for the marble race on Winnipeg Sports Talk you just can't miss it yeah even when you're in on vacation you got to make sure you get it in type exclamation mark marbles and I've seen pictures of people watching Winnipeg Sports Talk on TV in Australia and I love to see it uh I always people send us pictures of like us on TV and I don't really think of you know me as someone who is even on TV, but yes, YouTube available on basically anyone. So uh, shout out to everyone who's watching it on whatever device mm-hmm. out there, listening as well as because this is a podcast too. Well, for sure. And podcast listeners, this is an important um, moment to mention. And even if you're usually almost exclusively listening to us on the audio, set a little timer on your yeah. watch for Friday at about 2.45 
And if you're able to just jump in, throw your hat in the ring for the marble race, you could win uh, one of our version of the Masters Green Jacket, the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. And big thanks to Ronnie and Scott over at Shipman Associates for uh, helping us out with those. Uh, our new hoodies are in. And I got a chance to meet uh, Todd, Jimmy, Mark Sports Video this morning, who all came by to pick these up, or Billy actually came by as well. Um, anyways, it was great seeing all the guys. I appreciated and uh, nice seeing them. It was a little bit of a, uh, uh, there was a lot of Marvel's talk, Remo, outside the building today, just before the lock shop when uh, everyone came up and picked up their hoodies. By the way, if we still owe you one, there are still a few winners from uh, when we were waiting for the new shipment to come in. Hit us up with an email. We'll make sure to get that to you in the next week or so. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice to get out there and meet some of the listeners and viewers and hook them up with their winning hoodies. And shout out to Missing Monk in chat. XX Revolution says we're on their TV right now. Pretty, That's pretty cool. I got to be honest. Thumbs so, up. Uh, that thumbs up. That's with all our HD cameras and everything. We got to make it good. And the new studio, of course, looks great too. Um, oh yeah Got on, your... Your, on, on the the bigger the tv the better now that we've uh, we've put all this together um couple things before we uh, get this going if you tuned in late today tonight is the night whl championship series gets going between the winnipeg ice and the seattle thunderbirds and for people that are listening outside of the city out in westman you're looking for a hell of a hockey game to watch tonight outside of Winnipeg, get on down to the Stride Center in Portage because it is the battle of the Portage Terriers and the Steinbach Pistons. MJ versus MJ tonight at the Centennial Cup. Uh, but the Centennial Cup is going to be great hockey right through until next weekend for Canada's Junior A Championship. Um, so if you're going to the ice game tonight and maybe get out to Portage later on in the weekend for one of the other games, we do have a Manitoba team playing pretty much every night in the 7:30 game. And this is the one game where the two teams will, uh, will go head to head. Um, so here we are, everyone's ready to go for the marbles. Remo, uh, have we discussed who, uh, who else is getting a marble this week? I, I saw a few suggestions in, uh, in chat. I think Sergio Castillo and uh, Dylan Sandberg were suggested by uh, by Doug Phil. Yeah, also Hacksaw, I think, for his Hacksaw's return. getting one, too. Did we do the Cool Bell lines? Did I miss something? Hey, We've got to do those. Oh, no, good point, good point. We've had so much going on, and I'm glad you got me to that. I was figuring, yeah, we should do that right now because after our big winner of the 5-1 to one exclusive, I've gotten even more aggressive for tonight. And if you go over... To the cool bed exclusives and click on lock shop partner parlay we've got dusty's award-winning oiler single gamers been making some nice money for people on that this is what he's got for tonight's game mcdavid and Drysidle both to score two or more points evan bouchard to get a point and the oilers to win in regulation that's plus 370 not bad. And that really is sort of the script. The Oilers, the big boys go off, they win. That's how it goes down. Bouchard's been such a big part of the power play and getting a ton of points. But I am going, I'm swinging for the fences tonight with a juiced up underdog parlay. Probably has a much lower limit because uh, we don't want to bankrupt the house. We've been close a little lately. But Florida Panthers to win, knocking out the Leafs. The Jays 
to win their first game, Bassett on the Hill taking on a very good team in the Atlanta Braves. Jays are an underdog at home. And as we talk about with Lee, I believe in the Golden State Warriors forcing Game 7. They've been horrible on the road all year long, but this is a time when championship teams step up. I think that Golden State does. Panthers, Blue Jays, Warriors, if you type that in yourself, you're looking at close to 12-1, to 1, but we've got it up to plus 1350 if uh, if you want. And I'm not sure if my dad's gotten to Italy yet and whether they're checking this out, but I uh, showed it to my dad. They were going on holidays a couple days ago. I popped by to say bye and grab a couple things. And as I was leaving on Wednesday night, my dad goes, by the way, I put 10 bucks on the partner parlay tonight. And uh, lo and behold, it came through. So a uh, little uh, extra <clears throat> Canadian currency to turn into uh, Italian, what is it, lira, I think, they're over there. Anyways, mom and dad, hope you're having a, a great trip if, uh, if you are checking out the show. So the exclusives are up. As far as the actual games tonight, uh, the Panthers are plus 140 underdogs in Toronto against the Leafs. Leafs minus 165. Do like the Panthers to get it done tonight. And uh, the Oilers minus 132 favorites. Vegas plus 112. And, of course, the uh, Vegas will be without Alex uh, Pierangelo and the uh, Edmonton Oilers be without Darnell Nurse. I, I mean, we joked that it was going to be coincidental suspensions yesterday, which, of course, it did, Remo. But I will say this. I think this is a much bigger loss for Vegas. No disrespect to Darnell Nurse than uh, than it is to the Oilers. That's kind of shocking to say that, but I agree, too. Awesome. Darnell Nurse, I think, uh, at Ekholm and Bouchard. Ekholm's the guy now. I've taken it's not like remember when Darnell Nurse played like every minute in the Jets Oilers the Jets Oilers yeah. what didn't he play like 45 or 50 games in that one that went to double OT he played something ridiculous and you know he was their top guy then and we've kept saying oh they need to fix their defense fix their defense and they certainly did that by acquiring Agholm and Bouchard has taken a step forward I see people in chat saying love love the Bouch bombs uh from the point he's been awesome on the power play so I, I I'll agree with you uh re- Agree with you there. Petrangelo is uh, is Vegas's top dog on D. Shea Theodore hasn't really upped his level in the playoffs here, and uh, Edmonton's got other guys I think ahead of Darnell Nurse. Although Darnell Nurse very important player for Edmonton. Yeah, so we'll see what happens in that one tonight. Game five, crucial game either way. Uh, and then uh, listen, this is the plan. As I mentioned when we were doing our BP hit earlier, go to the game downtown and probably angle into BP City Place and uh, sit up at the wood with Vegas and the Oilers on one TV and the Warriors and Lakers on the other. Lakers are three-point favorites tonight to get it done against Golden State, minus 154 on the money line, and the Warriors are now to plus 130. As I said, the Warriors have been terrible on the road all year. I think they rise up, though. This team has a championship identity and champions rise to the occasion when their seasons are on the line. I think they get it done tonight and force a game seven on Sunday. That would be great for the NBA because uh, the ratings for that one would be absolutely through the roof. Uh, shout out to the Nuggets, though. Did have them. We were 2-0 and yesterday, speaking of cool bet. Had the Celtics, had the Nuggets, and uh, the Joker is uh, on to round number three, and the Nuggets will host the winner of this Warriors-Lakers series. So it's all up there at CoolBet. As I did mention, I plopped that uh, Blue Jays number in on our uh, partner parlay, but the Jays begin this series at home against the Braves. Bassett on the hill. 
Blue Jays plus 132, Braves minus 149. Uh, and, and there'll be a bunch of exclusives for the games tonight. Just looking for the Blue Jays ones. We got double-double. Matt Chapman or Whit Merrifield to record a double. That's two to one. Uh, Spencer Strider, who has been nails for the Braves. Uh, Strider record nine plus strikeouts and Braves to win plus 210. Bassett to record five strikeouts and Jays to win is plus 260. Uh, Bo Bichette to have two plus total bases and Jays to win plus 370. And who's your Vladdy? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did a homer and Jays to win is plus 800. Again, lots of great boosted odds over in the Cool Bet exclusives. Check it out, but don't miss that partner parlay. We're swinging for the fences uh, tonight. If you haven't played a Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST when you make your first deposit and we'll double it 100% up to 200 bucks over at CoolBet.com. Uh, plenty of other things, XFL. And next week, for you Bomber and CFL fans, pay attention to the Lock Shop. Subscribe. Lock Shop bets on YouTube. Our CFL Futures episode. Win totals are out for the Canadian Football League. MVP odds and more. We'll get to all of that next week on uh, on the Lock Shop. And for I those of you wondering, sorry, sorry, just, you say that? quickly, for those of you wondering, the DC Defenders, six and a half point favorites over the Arlington Renegades in the XFL Championship game tomorrow night. Hey, and the first championship game wasn't Tommy Maddox, the MVP, and he had a great... I love Tommy Maddox uh, on Pittsburgh in the 2002 season, which is now 21 years ago. I was going to say, uh, when the Suns got bounced by, well, 30 points, I loved all the memes of Kevin Durant running back to the Warriors. <laughs> uh, I don't know Never if he was personally old. responding to anyone's tweets with, on, from burner accounts, but oh, the burners are were popping last night. I'm sure he. Uh, I mean, he stunk last night. As uh, was it Lee said, I mean, one for ten to uh, start the game off, and I mean that game was basically over after the first quarter. I watched it; they were down 17. Never got back into it. Canadian Jamal Murray, the Joker. They're uh, they are a problem right now, and I will be backing the Nugs against either the Warriors. Or Lakers, depending on who wins this series. Hopefully it doesn't end tonight, though. And that would mean we get Game 7 on the weekend. Um, all right, let's, uh, I guess we kind of did last call, but if you just popped in, it's not too late. Mm -hmm. Exclamation mark marbles. Just make sure you've hit that red subscribe button and you're subscribed to the channel so you're eligible to win. Again, thanks to our friends at Shipman Associates for the new hoodies are in. And great to see everyone that uh, popped by today to grab their hoodies. And uh, as I think we owe a couple more, we can do that next week, along with whoever wins today. Um, you need a little second to uh, get things ready, Reem? Yeah, let's let's close them up. All right, close them up. Now, while Remus does that, this is a Winnipeg Sports Talk PSA. There's a scam alert going on in this city, <laughs> and I was a victim of it last night. Uh, I did a quick run through the McDonald's drive-thru and I had cash on me. You know, usually you're just tapping it, but I happen to have cash. So I just threw them the cash. They gave me a five and some change. Thank you very much. Well, I went into my pocket today and I pulled out said change. And I guess, I don't even remember what it was, but I guess my, my, my order was just over 10 bucks. So they gave me a five, a couple toonies, and whatever, a quarter and something. Well, yes, one loony right there, as you can see, 
Half of it? It's a toonie. Look at this toonie, excuse me. And then this looks like a toonie. Then I looked a little closer. I'm like, Banco Central, the Republica Dominica. What the hell? The Dominican 10 pesos looks like a toonie. And there could be a racket going on in Winnipeg drive throughs where they're popping in 10 peso pieces instead of the toonie that you deserve to get back. I was victimized by it last night. I believe at Grand Park McDonald's. We won't make a big deal about it, but for those of you that still do pay cash and you're getting toonies back, just make sure you're not getting suckered with the Dominican 10 peso piece, with pro which probably has the value of about 0. 0.0002 cents as opposed to the Canadian $2 coin that should be coming back to you. Scam alert on WST. Don't be victimized like I was yesterday. Yeah, I heard gaming says it was likely an accident, which I agree it probably was, but still, around $2. Huh? I mean, really? it that's did a whole junior cheat. Like, like if I was, like, I mean, say you were working in a drive-thru and you mm. just had like a roll of... 10 peso coins from your trip to the Dominican and just sort of casually started tossing those in and taking the toonies. Uh, listen, there is, there is room for abuse is all I'm saying. Pay attention to your change or just tap it. It's probably my own fault for, uh, for not doing that. I'll say aside, it wasn't a big deal, but I couldn't believe how close this 10 peso thing looked to a toonie. And I had no idea until I pulled it out of my hand at home. Yeah, BA split rates in chat. Ten pesos is seventy-five cents. You're actually owed a dollar twenty-five. You're owed a dollar twenty-five there. So Dominican pesos. Oh whoa! Listen, I don't know a lot about. No, Republic it says twenty-five cents. Twenty-five cents. BA. Well, He's looking quarter. at this is Dominican pesos. Twenty-five. Yeah, I'm. So you're dollar seventy-five. That's not bad. Yeah, better well, than being out two. About two bucks because no one's taking the Dominican. 10 peso. Can I go in and say, hey, this is worth a quarter. Put this on my tab as well. I don't think that's getting accepted anywhere here. Yakman writing. This is why we tune in. This is also why we we started our mailbag, too. I do have some questions from there. If you do have questions you want us to answer in this kind of theme, winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on contact page and submit them. I got a list. I actually got scammed us around Grand Park area, too, this week. I went to my mail. And I received a photo radar ticket for the oh, grant. The biggest scam around. Which they just set up there. Everyone thinks it's 60, but it's actually 50. And they just rake in the money. And I don't know what everyone else out there does when they get photo radar tickets. Um, I went to fight one one time. The last one I got, which I had a really good like five-year streak of not getting one. I got one in December. I just paid it. I don't know if that's a sucker move or not. Um, I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to wait till the final day that it's due before I pay. But if anyone's got photo radar. <laughs> principle. Yeah, well, that's what you do. You wait until the final day. I'm not. Yeah, but then you forget. And then you don't I know. I put it on my, on my phone as a reminder. Uh, I got to remember to do that. Move. But I don't know. I was 50 and I was going 62. Like, come on. It's not like going 80 and a 50. 
no, you know that, and, and you think it's a sixty. I mean, in that you area. think it's a sixty. It like changes, and the signage here is so. Ter- this is my rent. The signage here is so terrible. You don't know. Like with the school zones, they go to any other city in North America for a school zone. They have like giant signs here. You can't even see it. Same with the crosswalks. Yeah. That's what they, they don't want to make the signs good because then people will know. Yes. And more people will not get tagged with the uh, with the things. Listen, I, I don't I'm not really in danger of that anymore. I'm much like I'm a granny golfer. I've turned into a granny driver as well. Yes. Keep it slow. Uh, I've now have 14 merits on my license after having like negative 10 earlier mm-hmm. in my driving career. You know, when you're young. You learn lessons the hard way, and that was with plenty of checks made to the DMV. So uh, I've done that. But, yes, it is Grant in particular. I think there was like a class action lawsuit about that, if I'm not mistaken. About the signage? Some guy suing the government. Well, that it was basically a scam, and there Hmm. were – it was basically designed to make money for photo radar because of basically some of the things that you've mentioned. Um, Rod Gunn, plead guilty and wait for a court date and then see the magistrate. Is that what I should do? Well, okay. So the last time I fought it and I went there and like, wait, I wasn't working at the time. And so I guess I had time to go down and wait and talk to a judge. Like, what's your defense? I was like, man, I was 62 and a 50. Like, come on. Like, what are we doing here? And they, I'm like, <laughs> the defense I, is, this is I'm bullshit. like, I'm not working right now. I can't pay. This is 62 and a 50. And that was my defense. And she like reduced it a, a little. <laughs> oh, threw you a bone. I'm a young father. This is uh, taking food out of my kids' mouths. That's mouth. what I said. I'm like, I'm on Can't parental leave. This. I'm yeah, not working. I'm parental leave guy. I was 62 I mean, and a 50. I think the last one. Like, that's <laughs> barely above the threshold. Give me a break. And she gave me a small one. Well, listen, you keep it slow and low, or at least inside the got- rules. On the road, yeah. we have no such rules for the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race, where you need to go as fast as you can and get to the ends end of it before everybody else. We've got a hoodie from our friends at Shipman Associates for our winner. But, Remo, we can't get into the marbles race before Tristan Rivers' music graces us with the marbles theme on WST. Yeah, I got to play it. People are enjoying. Everyone's got photo radar stories in here. I'm seeing some person said they've never got one ever, which That's I find smart, hard to believe. Good for you. I don't know. I got to let when I start pumping like Millie Vanilli driving down Cordenhus, it's really hard to keep the go standard the speed limit. I'm not even going to touch that because <laughs> it's probably true. I, man, nothing like blasting like the worst. It's like when you go to karaoke or no, sorry, go to the, one of those bars, the jukebox and just start playing the worst music. I cleared a bar, uh, restaurant once. I still feel bad. Anyways. <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's have some great music. Tristan Rivers, dealer's choice on what uh, what version you want to drop for it. Yeah, which one? Uh... It's Friday, another week of words gone by. You deserve to treat yourself. Maybe ice cream can go find a ride. Hold the whole day in so that you can't
pick sports talk, the ACDC version from uh, the uber talented Tristan Rivers music. This, by the way, just before we do this, Remo, real deal Neil in chat, one of the legends of the two sports trivia nights that we've done over at Little Brown Jug. This is the worst story I've heard yet from Photo Radar. He goes, I had my vehicle stolen. Presumably then the stolen vehicle went through all these photo radars. And he said, they made me pay. I had all my documents of the stolen vehicle. That's, I don't know how they can make you pay. If if your car got ripped and then was cruising around picking up all those, um, all those tickets that that would be a, a time to go in and uh, talk to the magistrate. I'd imagine sucks for you, Neil. Good thing. You're so good at sports trivia that you're able to win in other areas of life. All right. Where do we want to go today? Yeah, I was, I was muted to- there. So uh, which is probably for the best, uh, you know, one needs to hear what I said. <laughs> what do you think about 61 procedural adventure or 62 Emerald downs? Um, MC Stormy was saying Mountain Mingle. I don't know what procedural adventure was. Let's check it out. Uh, I, like, I like to try and maybe get a few new ones in here that uh, we haven't done before. We did the Marbles Diner. Yeah. These are some bigger and some. I get it. Does it seem like have they added a bunch more here? I don't know. I don't know. I don't this know. is the end. Marble Canton is 71. Anyways, it's your call. So let's uh, get one of these up and uh, we can take a quick look and we can abort if need be. Okay, wait, which one are we doing? Sorry, I'm answering people in the chat who are telling me I was muted, which I know. I set up some stuff okay, to... Don't don't let the people in chat... Let's. We need to focus on the marble race here. Mm, I agree. How about 61? If you go all the way down, it looked like there's a couple new Procedural Adventure? Procedural Adventure or Emerald Downs. One of those okay. two. Let's see what these ones look like. And you got the today's list in? Yeah. What is this? Well. I can't see. This looks kind of crazy. This is a different start. Okay. And I will say this. We have it. There's a 10 second abort uh, right that we have. If we see, because Remus will turn it around when things start. If it looks like it sucks. We will abort and we will go to one of the other ones. But uh, I'm here for the procedural adventure. It's a new one. We haven't done it before. We got 183 marbles in. I, I think we give it a run. Okay, let's do it. Ready? All right, let's do it. Three, two, one. Good luck, everyone. All right, I can I can go with this. Yeah, let's let's check this one out. Brand new track on WST Marble Race. Oh, Eternal Render out. Tristan Rivers music. There's no way to thank. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So there, a lot of people are getting thrown over the top rope right away. <laughs> B.A., Dallas, bye-bye. Nice start for Mark A. Although this is, the sort of, this is the sort of track that you can get held up and guys can get speed and you can certainly get taken out. Rod Gunn did not go well. Jay Mi- oh, Jay Miller and the Brass Bonanza with huge moves getting ahead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened? Whoa, what? Whoa, what? No, no, no. This is why we've got to test these. Hold on a second. Tristan Rivers music. We thought that Tristan got thrown over the top rope. Okay, I tell you what. No, no. We will do another one, but Tristan, 
Trist, I mean, Tristan, we owe anyways, just for the music yeah. and everything like that. Tristan, I've got a little something, something for you as a winner. And, and that does count as a win, but we will be doing another one right now. I don't know how in the world Tristan Rivers, that almost did seem like a glitch because usually it waits till everyone else gets in, right? It said he was out and then he won? Or we're Maybe doing that's another why one. They call it procedural adventure. We'll give him a. We got something for Tristan. That's fine. <laughs> did I do the can? Oh, Hustler did the canny. I'm sure my face looked pretty good. We were not <laughs> expecting that. We'll, we'll have to go back and check and, and check that one out after the fact. Um, well, I guess the other one was it was 61 and 62. We were talking about doing. I'm nervous for these ones we've never tried now. I am too. I am too a little bit. I'm nervous. Who MC Stormy said Mountain Mingle was good. But the Mountain Mingle is new. Have we done it before? I think we've done it. I think we've done it. Well, listen, Emerald Downs is standing there. I mean, it, it, it is a little bit of a... Uh, I don't know, man. I think... Mountain I think... Mingle, there it is. Okay, I, I'm fine with Mountain Mingle. We'll try Emerald Downs next time. I'm going to do an off-stream test of that, of some of these new ones. Yeah, okay, good idea. Good idea. Maybe maybe a special maybe we'll come on, we'll do that's what we'll do during the ask us anything. Yeah. We'll test marble race courses. I got some questions too from listeners. Oh yeah, we've done that up. Hey, and where are people supposed to send those questions into okay. again? WinnipegSportsTalk.com slash contact. Or you can respond to our tweet or something. But yeah, that would be the best way. Email and questions. Yeah, and then uh, then we'll have some special segments. And I'd prefer, I mean, if you want to ask sports, like legitimate sports questions, you can do that. But I think the best content is going to become come from things that have very little to do with the normal topics that we get to on the show. All the, right, anyways, we've made people wait a long time for this Marvel race. We appreciate all of your patience. It was a great show today. We had Hacksaw and Ed and Ken and, of course, Shane Malloy. But the wait is over despite... The very bizarre circumstances of Tristan Rivers' music's win in our aborted first race. Here we go. It's the Mountain Mingle. Good luck, everyone. Drop the marbles on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Okay, this is, this is a nice. This yeah. is a good one, and it, we have done this one before. So it is not new. Lynn Reimer with a nice one. Uh, your boy Mitch. Travis. See real deal Neil there. Who's going to get down first, though? That is who escapes the first run of it. It looks like Lynn Reimer is pretty close. Lynn Reimer, Travis, Dr. Keating. Eternal Reader, I think that is, or Eternal Render, your boy Mitch, TTT Bones there. All right, we've got a split. Dr. Keating going one way. Eternal Render going the other way. Winnipeg Walters in the mix. Larry TSG and David Zirk. Dave Zirk's right near the end. That's okay. He just picked up a a championship marbles hoodie today for winning so far. Frosty Winnipeg, Lynn Reimer, Rob Pepper looking pretty good right now. And TTT Bone, another former champion, making it happen over there. All right. Lynn Reimer, I would say, is the leader right now, but it is very, very tight. Going through this corkscrew on either side of the course, and then heading down into a funnel, where things are going to get uh, things are going to get tight. Um, 
Lynn Reimer, Rob Pepper, the Commodore in the mix. Who's going to get out of the funnel first? That is what we are waiting to find out. And it is anybody's race right now. Lynn Reimer, the Commodore in the mix. TTT Bone on the other side. And now we're going to come into another obstacle where everyone's coming in. And who's going to get whipped around by the swinging arm? DJ 22, eh, that's coming out. Rob Somerville is in the mix. Nope, that is over the top rope. B. Henderson also eliminated. Oh, Ryan Kibbins, gone. Jay Miller, out of here. We are having some serious casualties right now. John Paul's made it through, though. And Okay, now we've got a group, including Rob Pepper, Corey O. Looks like Corey O's in first place right now. Making a move. It's all Corey right now. Will he get in? Yes, Corey. Oh, there's a first-time winner. Atta boy, Corey. Todd in second place. Let's see. I got to move my live thing up so we can see all of these uh, ones. I was waiting for someone to come out that shortcut, but everyone fell off, and then I guess everyone just went the regular path. Yeah, those the are thing. the people that actually finished today. Yeah, I wanted to be ready for a shortcut. I saw it there, but no one no one made it. Well, here it is. I'm just waiting to be able to see. Corey O, Todd M, Travis are top three. Kevin Kowalik, Mike Wary, Jeff Johnson, Daryl Grenko, Rob Pepper, John Pauls, and Bobby B are top ten. Oh, Ross... <laughs> Roscoe coming in second last. I guess that means Sean. Unless Sean got bounced, he'll be cheersing his lovely wife with some champagne out in the south of France, knowing that his day is made because he tuned in and beat his pal in today's marble race. Uh, you can uh, just take her down to the bottom there, Reem. See where everyone is. So TTT Bone ended up at 22nd. Pretty good. Sergio Castillo, nicely done. Welcome back, Lucha Kicker. Velveeta, SK's in there. Matthew Jansen. What's up, Matt? Dallas Paul's at 40th. Lori Loving Life. T Will, the Brass Bonanza. Cam Thang, the Wild Thang, 57th. What's up, Cam? I know he's fired up for Bomber Camp. Brand Batters. Hi, Brandt. There's real deal Neil. Thought he might have some better luck after what we just heard about his car being stolen and them racking up all those photo radar tickets. Uh, <laughs> Doug, Phil, Bardo. There's Bozeman, 94th. So, Sean, you did beat Ross, and we know that just because Ross ended up being second last today. Mike Wynn, our guy, the heart and soul of Section 316. He got in the top 100. Chris Vermette, 110. Chris has been up there before. Dylan Sandberg, a.k.a. Slamberg, top pairing defenseman for the States. States had a big upset of the host Finns today to start off the World Championships. The reason I know that is because it blew a five-gamer. I was taking all the big favorites. That was the shortest one, and USA goes in and wins 4-1. to one. Canada coming up, I believe, a little later on today or tomorrow. Uh, there's Bravo Bry. What's up, Bry? Bry's ready for summer. I know that's for sure. Tristan Rivers music, a little different result this time than uh, the first time. 166th. And there's Ross at 170. The SMA at 171. And then uh, everyone else, Rob Mahoney, 
over-the-top rope hockey guy Jeff and the other casualties of today's race. Uh, all right, man, it's 3.30. we got to get these uh, pods up. Folks, uh, get on out to the rink this weekend if you can. Tonight, 7 o'clock. Tomorrow, 6 o'clock. Ice and T-Birds. WHL Championship. And again, if you're out around Portage, check out the Centennial Cup. It is going to be great tonight at the Portage Terriers and the Steinback Pistons. Uh, packed show today heading into the weekend. Thanks to Shane Malloy for some great draft talk. Ken Weeb and, of course, Eddie Tate and Hacksaw Hamilton. And most of all, thanks to you. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. And uh, tell a friend this weekend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Show them how to subscribe. And hopefully we'll see them and all of you next week. Appreciate the sponsors. Don't forget Royal Sports Big Tent Sale. 750 Pemina Highway beginning tomorrow. Don't miss those incredible deals down at Royal. And otherwise, have a great weekend. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the pucks. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll see you Monday on WST, folks. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.